All right, ramblers, let's get rambling. My name is Steve, and thank you for listening. This is episode 10 of For Me, These Films Are The Juice. It's a landmark episode, so I'm absolutely delighted to be putting out my tenth, the 10th tenth episode of the podcast. Um, and this episode is the first uh, film draft that we've done here. Um, it's going to be based on Tom Cruise films. Uh, obviously, he's back to being the... Uh, the biggest movie star in the world now on the back of Top Gun Maverick and uh, if anyone still hasn't seen it yet I highly recommend going to see it um, at the cinema if you can it's an absolutely fantastic watch and um, yeah you won't uh, you won't be disappointed at all I'm sure um, so I'm delighted to be joined on this episode by Wayne from Recaster 2.0 and also Edward from the 80s movie podcast um, we had a really good time uh, recording the episode um, you'll hear the details of how the draft works within within the actual episode itself um but yeah it was it was a lot of fun uh very educational edward certainly knows his stuff um he's uh his obviously his podcast focuses mainly on the 80s um but yeah his film knowledge is is second to none and uh, and wayne as always was um was obviously really good to to listen to and and uh you know uh very competitive as well so it was um it was a lot of fun i do hope you enjoyed the episode um the the podcast is available on um spotify apple podcasts google podcasts uh castbox and also good pods um so whatever um platform you're listening to the podcast on it would be hugely hugely greatly appreciated if you could leave any type of of feedback five stars a review anything that um anything that you want to leave positive preferably um it just really helps the podcast get pushed up the the algorithms on the platforms and uh, and just hopefully get out there to more people to listen to um so that would be that would be greatly appreciated um in terms of um on social media where you can follow the podcast um i, I retweet a lot of stuff from other podcasts i retweet some news every now and then um that's coming out as well or um articles that i find interesting about about films or movie makers um so you can follow me on twitter at films are the juice uh, my instagram handle is at these films are the juice and there's also a facebook page for the podcast um, which is just the name of it the, for me these films are the juice if you want to follow me or, or engage with me on any of those on any of those um, social media platforms then um, please do feel free to to do so it'd be great to hear from you and a new thing that i've got in place uh, is a buy me a coffee account so if you enjoy listening to the podcast and you'd like to contribute in any way to, to the development of it, um, and hopefully I can maybe do a few few more things going forwards, um, you can buy me a coffee on buymeacoffee.com. Uh, search for, for me, these films are the juice, and you can uh, buy me a coffee and that money will go back into the, to the podcast and, and help me um, keep it progressing going forwards. So yeah, anything like that would be would be fantastic. That's all the advertising done. And uh, yeah, I really do hope you enjoy uh, listening to this Tom Cruise film draft. Let's get going. So this episode of For Me, These Films Are The Juice is a uh, the first draft episode uh, that we've done. Um, and it's going to be a Tom Cruise draft. We'll talk more about the, the rules and how it's going to work later on in the episode. Um, but just to introduce my guest, who I'm delighted to have on the podcast with me, uh, I have Wayne from Recasted 2.0 and Edward from the 80s podcast. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. 
Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's always a good time. Yeah, no, thank you. Wayne, obviously, we've we've done a podcast together. And um, so, yeah, we're kind of uh, know what to expect from each other, maybe a little bit. But uh, Edward, um, yeah, I listened to um, to your podcast for the first time this week. And uh, I have to say your film knowledge, everything like that, I am slightly intimidated. Uh, but, you know, I'll uh, I'll try and hide that. Um, Wayne was I did tell this to Wayne and Wayne's response was, well, you know, Steve, I'm, uh, I'm a bit of a Tom Cruise expert myself. So I'm going to add to that, uh, which to which my response was. Wayne, you don't intimidate me, my friend. But uh, but yeah, thank you so much, guys, for being on here. Um, I thought maybe the first thing we could do is um, is kind of just hand the hand the floor to you guys. Talk a little bit about your podcasts and um, kind of social media handles. Get, get kind of um, a bit of advertising for you guys. So um, Edward, yeah, if I'd like to hand it to you first, can you tell us a little bit about your podcast and and where we can find it and um, kind of yeah, what it's about really. All right. Well, the uh, 80s movie podcast uh, was born uh, in 2019 out of a what I saw a necessity in the whole of movie podcasts. Um, two of my friends who are film uh, critics, uh, Scott Weinberg and Drew McWeeney, formerly of Ain't It Cool News, as uh, he was known as Moriarty. Uh, they used to run a podcast called uh, now I'm blanking on the name of their podcast. Uh, but they they're they were going to do one month per podcast over the entire 80s decade. So there was going to okay. be so their first podcast was about January 1980. Then the next one was February 1980. They were going to talk about every major release. And it was a great podcast. It was mm. one of my favorites. And then in early 2019, while they hadn't even gotten halfway through the decade yet, they announced that they were going to have to stop the podcast. They never said why. And even though they're friends, I never bothered to ask them why. Yeah. Because and But then I saw it's like, if you listen to movie podcasts, especially podcasts about 80s movies, they're always talking about the same 50 or 100 movies. Mm -hmm. Back to the Future, uh, E.T., you know, the, the ones that are the most famous. Yeah. Because people know that. Well, there were like 10,000 movies released in the 1980s between home video and direct-to-cable and, and in theaters. And I wanted to talk about the other 9,900 movies that don't get so much love from podcasts. So with my knowledge, because growing up in the 80s, I grew up in the 80s. I was 16 when 16 Candles came out. Mm -hmm. I, was seven, I was 17 when Breakfast Club came out. So I was the perfect age to become passionate about film just as the decade was starting. And so I wanted to talk about the movies that get less traction. And yeah. sometimes I go into like the episode that you listened to, the, the My Favorite Year 1982. I do talk about a lot of the, the big movies that opened that year, but I also talk about a lot of the little movies that kind of influenced me as a person. Yeah. Um, and influenced me as a, a film lover that eventually led to me becoming a theater manager, becoming a film critic, and eventually becoming a film historian. So okay. that's what my show aims to do, is to shine a light on the movies that don't get as much love. So, uh, for example, the day that we're recording this, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to be recording my own episode about a movie from 1982 called The Assassination Game. It stars uh, Linda Hamilton from the Terminator series in her first big movie. 
Um, Forrest Whitaker, the Oscar winner, it was his very first movie. He's only got two scenes. Uh, Robert Carradine is in it. There's a lot of people that you would recognize in this movie mm-hmm. in very early roles, but nobody's heard of this movie because it wasn't a big hit when it came out. It was a, actually a, a huge flop, but it's not a bad it's not a bad movie. It's just one that's kind of gotten forgotten over the last 40 years just because of various circumstances. The distributor, New World, was owned by Roger Corman, the legendary uh, film producer and director. But uh, once it flopped, they kind of just forgot about it. Mm-hmm. It's, about, um, it's about a group of college students who play a assassination game where they try to shoot each other with uh, rubber darts. Mm-hmm. But then one of them uh, kind of loses his grip on sanity and starts to kill off his opponents with a real with real weapons. Okay. But it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so it's it, but it's but it's actually a good little movie, and I had never seen it before. So I used my I'm using my podcast as an excuse to see some of these movies for the first time. That. I had heard of, but I never got around to watching over 40 years because it was just, oh, you know, it's there. So, so with that film in particular, sorry, it was called The Assassination Game, Edward. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with that film, um, I take it, was it something that was just kind of in the in the back reaches of your mind from, oh, I remember that film being released in 1982, I need to watch it at some point, or was it just during your your research and, and kind of looking through your old, um, your old books and stuff that you kind of came across it again? It's a little bit of both. Um, I have a very good library of movie ephemera. Mm -hmm. I've got books from the Academy of Motion Pictures, Art and Sciences that literally list every movie that was eligible for the Oscars in a particular year, like 1984. Um, It just gives you the movie, all of the credits, like down to the people that only had one line and a synopsis of the movie and, and just, and like who released it and when it was released and things like that. I've got old issues of uh, variety. So while I was doing research for one of the movies that I'm planning on doing soon, I was reminded of the assassination game because of one of its stars. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh yeah, I remember, <laughs> I remember that movie because it only ever came out in Los Angeles. Um, and a couple other small markets like, Hawaii like months later but it only played in Los Angeles and and I remember wanting to see it when I was a teenager but I never got around to it because of the things you heard of in in that episode that you listened to yeah I think a funny six degrees on that would be that the assassination game sounds to me similar to the movie gotcha yeah. Which obviously starred Anthony Edwards, who was in Top Gun with Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, actually, a lot of people, when, when you talk about the assassination game today, if anyone even remembers it, the automatic connection is to Gotcha, because they are similar storylines. Uh, but they're not at all similar movies, because one of them's more international flavored with spies and stuff like that. And one of them is about a bunch of stupid college kids shooting darts at each other. So... But yeah, but tonally, they have similar storylines, but they're much different movies. But of the people that I know who have heard of Assassination Game, every single one of them brings up Gotcha as a as a common denominator. 
Amazing. So where would be the um, Edward? Just to say, I will we'll have to do a, a separate episode because I could listen to you talk all day about um, about kind of the the history and, and certain films. But um, just where could um, where's the best place for the, or the, maybe the preferred place that you'd like people to to listen to your pod and and kind of get in touch with you? Well, the easiest place to find it is on Apple Podcast. Uh, okay. Just look for the '80s Movie Podcast. It pops up first. Uh, but it can be listened to practically anywhere. And I'm one of those people that I don't care how you listen to it. I would just love you to listen to it. Right. And um, I, Wayne, have you listened to many episodes yourself? Uh, no, actually, when we got signed up to do this, or when we kind of agreed to do this, I started listening to uh, the newest episode, I think it was the Yahoo Serious um, Young, Young Einstein, Einstein one. Right. Um, I started listening to that. And it definitely sounded almost like it's funny because it sounded like a college class. Like I was listening to a professor talk about <laughs> the making of the movie. Yeah, but I'm sure you agree the kind of the you know the detail and the and the history and the work that goes into it. It's um yeah, it's it's definitely worth a worth a listen for anyone who's got any kind of interest in in um, film history, specifically from the from the 80s. I suppose uh, would be great. So um so yeah, Edward, thank you, thank you very very much. Um, Wayne, let's move on to yourself. Tell us about Recasted 2.0, please. Yeah, Recasted 2.0, basically, I have a history with movies as well. My mom owned a video store back when those were a thing. I didn't have any friends, so my summers were spent watching movies. And this was during the 80s, so kind of late 80s, early 90s. And I just developed a love for movies. I also worked at the movie theater in the late 90s. And when the movie Endgame came out, I remember I loved it so much that I started listening to every single podcast that existed uh, that talked about Endgame. And one of them did uh, a recast. They said, well, what if Endgame was made in 1995? And they had Tom Cruise as Iron Man, Brad Pitt as Captain America, and so on. And I thought, that's such a cool idea, but let's start a podcast where we take movies that are at least 20 years old, and we give them modern-day cast, modern actors and actresses. And so that's what me and my co-host Jesse do, is we take a movie that's 20 years old. We'll review it first. That's the first thing we're doing. And then we'll recast up to eight roles. We want to have a minimum of six. And we give our reasoning for why we're picking the person that we're picking. If you've listened to the shows, you know that me and Jesse have distinctively different styles. I like to pick an actor that I feel like their acting style encapsulates the spirit of the character in the film. Whereas Jesse tries to find somebody who looks like the original character. And uh, <laughs> we kind of butt heads on that. But it's really fun, and then we put the cast out there for a vote, and we let the people who listen, and we let the fans on Twitter and whatnot vote on whose cast they like better for the film. So, as I mentioned, you can find us on Twitter at Recasted Podcast. We are on Facebook at Recasted Podcast, and we have a Facebook group called All Things Movies, which anyone can join and share pop culture items. And you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, you know, anywhere that you listen to podcasts, you can find us. I really push and support Good Pods because I think that they support indie podcasts. So if you listen on Good Pods, you can give us five stars for every episode, comment on the episodes, and interact with us. Yeah, Good Good Pods is a great great platform for that for for pushing indie podcasts out there. And um, I know your latest episode kind of connects back to um, the the episode of of Edwards that I listened to um, the nineteen eight my favorite year nineteen eighty two. Um, your latest episode was um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It was. Fast Times at Ridgemont High was our newest recast, and it was the first time Jesse had ever seen it, so that's always fun as well. And we've got the cast out there to vote right now. Jesse's winning, so if you listen to this and you want to give me a few extra votes to put me ahead of Jesse, that would be appreciated. 
And the next film that we're going to review and recast is going to be Beverly Hills Cop. Yes, definitely looking forward to that one. And it, it was the first time I'd heard you and um, Jesse pick the same actor uh, for two. You picked two of the same actors, didn't you, for the same roles? Yeah, it's been a while. When we first started, it happened more frequently. But as our picking or our casting styles has evolved, it's happened less and less. But yeah, this, in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, we both had two picks that were the same. Mm. And um, yeah, Edward, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to Recasted 2.0, but um, yeah, if you get the chance, it's it's definitely worth a, worth a listen. Oh, I listened to it. And the funny thing is that I, I hate saying this, but I usually agree with Jesse <laughs> more often than I do with Wayne. Um, but it's, I mean, Wayne's got great picks. It's just that, it, that Jesse's just got like this weird, I, I don't know how to put it, like weird pulse where, I'm, I mean, I've most of these people from Fast Times, I've never heard of these actors because I don't get out to see as many movies as I used to in my youth, and I don't watch a lot of, of television. Uh, my wife loves like Euphoria. I've never seen any of those episodes. Um, the, the Maid, things like that. So a lot of these actors I've never heard of, but like I love Jesse's pick for Rain Wilson as Mr. Han. Um, Greg Kinnear is a good actor. I just think that Rain Wilson would get that role better. Or then, you know, going back to Jesse's picks, like he picked Ava Locklear for Stacy and Joey King for Linda. I would have actually flipped those two. And I see Joey King more as a Stacy and Ava Locklear more as a Linda. So like for those two roles specifically, I would probably go more for Wayne's picks than Jesse's picks. But if Jesse had flipped them, and I would be more in favor of Jesse. So I find their exercise interesting, and I like a lot of their reasonings behind why, um, but I don't always agree with them. <laughs> I think the classic one, Jesse definitely takes more risks, and I think the classic one that he got a lot of grief for was when we did The Matrix and he recast um, Daniel Radcliffe as Neo. <laughs> he uh, he loves his uh, he loves some Harry Potter, doesn't he? He does. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I um, don't. <laughs> okay so thank you guys so much for for that and um yeah anyone listening at all please do check out um the 80s movie podcast and um recast 2.0 they're both um definitely worth a listen very entertaining and um educational as well um so today's episode is going to be a movie draft of tom cruise films um so myself wayne and edward will be using different names later on um are going to each pick two films uh, from the 1980s, two from the 90s, two from the 2000s, and two from the 2010s, uh, and then we'll put our choices out on the uh, on the social medias and uh, yeah, see who um, people think it may be the the best list. Um, before we get into the the um, the draft, though, I just thought maybe we just have a brief discussion about Tom Cruise. You know, I'm, I'm sure that's uh, we're not going to say anything new that no one's heard before. Um, but just yeah, just kind of what our um, feelings are towards him as a as an actor or a movie star, and and kind of yeah, just any any kind of personal feelings we're going to put into this into this episode. So um, Wayne, if you don't mind, I know you're a huge um, Tom Cruise fan. Um, yeah, what what's your kind of feelings towards him, and and kind of maybe when did he first kind of hit? you and, and come to your radar well like i said i grew up kind of a younger kid in the 80s and then kind of went into the early 90s into my teenage years and really 
Tom Cruise obviously came up in the 80s and the 90s, I think, was his best decade by far. And so I really got to see all of those movies that he did then. And I'm just a huge fan. I, I love his presence on the screen. He brings a ton of energy to every role. And he's a kind of a weird thing when I watch a preview comes out. It's like, hey, new Tom Cruise movie. And my initial gut reaction is like, oh, I'm probably not going to like that. Like the preview doesn't do anything for me. And he has such an energy about him that it can be overwhelming. And yet anytime I watch a Tom Cruise movie, I come away from it like, wow, that was actually pretty good. Like, I don't know why I was skeptical going into it. And, and I think he does a great job. I, I thought it was a, a, kind of an unfair question when you, you'd asked in the notes ahead of time. You said, you know, is he a good actor or is he just like a movie star? And he's a phenomenal actor. I mean, the guy's been nominated for Academy Awards. Hey, he's hey, won an hey, Academy hey. Award. Just a, just a question. I'm not saying that I don't think he's a good actor. I'm just, I just thought it'd be yeah. something worth discussing. I know that's a topic out there. I'm just putting out there. Wing. Come on, come on. Yeah, he can act. He's really good. And, and the thing I really love about Tom Cruise as well is when you see him in interviews and whatnot, his personality, when you listen to other people who've worked with him talk about working with him, they talk about how he's extremely kind extremely gracious, uh, willing to help anybody. He remembers everybody's name. He remembers your parents' names. He's one of those guys who's just extremely friendly. And I know he's got a lot of weird stuff with the Scientology, but if I set that aside, I mean, the guy's just awesome. Okay, okay. Um, are you a big fan of him as well, Edward, or do you kind of sit on the fence like Wayne does? I, <laughs> I appreciate the work that he's done when he puts the work in. Uh, I like the Mission Impossible movies. I don't think he's really acting very much in them mm. as much as reacting to the things that he's put himself into. I, mm. I like the fact that he does most of his own stunts, if not all of them. I like that he likes to take risks even into his 50s and soon to be 60s. I like that he has a passion for movies. Yeah. And... Uh, in fact, the first time I met Tom Cruise was actually in a movie theater uh, here in Los Angeles. I was a manager at a theater called the Beverly Center uh, Cinemas. It was for a while the busiest movie theater in America because it was the first multiplex or megaplex in America. And in 1992, him and his then wife, Nicole Kidman, came to see a movie. I don't remember what movie it was, but I was just getting off of work. I saw them in the lobby and I went back up to my office, grabbed a far and away poster <laughs> and, a, and a Sharpie and yeah. got them to sign the poster. Mm -hmm. And, but I wasn't dressed as a manager, uh, but I was very, and he was very kind. They were both very polite uh -huh. and they both signed it. And then he kind of looked at me and it's like, how did you know I was here? How did you have a poster with a Sharpie? Yeah, from, yeah, yeah. You know, and I didn't really explain because I didn't want to get in trouble. At, at work, you know, it's like, oh, well, I work here. I just ran upstairs and grabbed a poster and a pen. Uh, but they were very nice. And then I'd, I'd be, I've gotten to see him and interact with him a couple of times uh, since then. As a person, he seems to be very, very kind. Mm -hmm. um, but my mom was a Scientologist in the 70s and 80s. And so I kind of know firsthand what Scientology is. The, that's outside of the public face. Mm -hmm. So if if it works for him, fantastic. I just have a lot of personal misgivings about Scientology because I grew up as a child of Scientology. My mom actually tried to put me into a Scientology school called the Apple School 
in the seventies. And even when I was a kid, I recognized it as a joke and mm -hmm. couldn't understand why my mom did took my mom almost a decade and all of her money to realize that it was wow. not working for her the way it was supposed to, mm -hmm. but I can put the Scientology aside and just see him as an actor and see him as a, as, as a movie star. And hopefully I get to pick a couple of the movies where I get to describe why I picking these movies specifically because of him. Yeah. He can be a phenomenal actor when he wants to be. Mm -hmm. There's just so many movies that out, excuse me. Uh, there's so many movies that he's made though, where uh, I question why he made it. Okay. Um, and hopefully I don't have to pick any of those movies to explain <laughs> why. Hopefully I get my, my best picks. I've actually got my draft list here of the movies I would pick in the order. And then I'll just cross off the ones that someone else picks first. But um, the movie I'm specifically talking about, Rock of Ages, uh, I have no idea why he would make Rock of Ages. It's it's other than it's so out of character for him. Mm -hmm. But it's literally the last of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of ten movies. I hope I don't get down that far in the 2010s where I need to pick Rock of Ages because uh, he's he's just not good in it. And it's just not a good movie. It was not a good fit. And I don't know why he did it. But I kind of applaud him for, for taking such an out-of-the-box chance yeah it just didn't succeed for in my opinion yeah i mean i think it's it's like you say you can be um yeah it can, you can be you know that's a that's a brave choice to to make for him obviously it's you know um tropic thunder i suppose is, a, is another one that's a that's a performance that could have easily been um kind of mocked and um uh yeah and if the film didn't work you know kind of uh, put on his back a, a potentially why but for for a lot of people that's a that's a popular one um i uh when i was preparing for the for the draft obviously i know this was my idea so i'm, I'm not asking for any, any sympathy for maybe should have been a little bit more prepared but when i was looking through the 2010s initially i was like, oh that's that's fine i've seen a few there and then when i was really looking at it in detail i was like my god i have only seen two films so i've, I've watched i've watched another three films over the last uh, couple of days um because i don't want to one thing i'm going to save myself is you know obviously we can pick films we haven't watched but um i'm going to try and make sure that it is the the they are films that i have watched so um for me um yeah i mean i've always liked him as a as a movie star um sorry and, and as an actor as well i think he is definitely a, an underrated actor um i think there can be some frustration uh, especially in his later stuff um with his his performances and the ways he comes across in his films but I'll, I'll i'll talk about that maybe later if I'm, I'm sure i might have to pick one of one or two of those um but but on the whole i think he's yeah i mean he's you know been the biggest well he was the movie biggest movie star for a for a long time and is and is back up there again at the moment um and i really um you know i really take my hat off to him for not going down the the streaming uh avenue that Kind of a lot of his contemporaries have and you know he's someone that never appears on film he uh sorry on television as well he's a he's an actor a movie star that wants his movies to be seen in the cinema um so i think that's that's very commendable anyone that kind of wants to try and um save the movie theaters these days is um is definitely trying to do a good thing i think um do you feel have you kind of your opinions changed on him at all wayne kind of from from those earlier times like the 90s to to now um you know as to what you think of him as an actor or what um you think of him as a 
you know, a, a figurehead or, or a person. No, I still think he's fantastic. I still like him. And like I said, just the biggest thing has been more my surprise when something that I didn't think was going to be good ends up being good. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree that the Mission Impossible is getting a little tired. It feels like Fast and the Furious where it's just like, all right, enough is enough already. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, he came out with Top Gun Maverick, right, which I know is not going to be on any of our lists because it's 2022, so it's outside of that. But I was skeptical because obviously doing a legacy remake, you know, 40 years later or 35 years later is tough to do. And I was blown away. I thought it was fantastic. And it was yeah. really the movie was driven by him. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the cinematography and the, and the stunts and everything was really he was kind of like a almost like an uncredited director of the film. And I, I thought it was great. And I thought he was great in it. And I don't know. I, I don't think I'm, I think I'm always going to like Tom Cruise movies no matter what. Let's um, let's get through to the draft then. Um, so basically, just the rules for um, the movie draft in case no one's ever heard one before. I'm kind of basing this on um, the uh, the big picture, which I listen I listen to quite often. They often do uh, drafts for, for various years. So um, so it's going to be a snake draft. Um, so in a moment we'll pick names and pick numbers. Um, so basically, number one we'll pick first, then number two. Uh, number three will pick theirs, and then number three will pick their second film. Number two, number one will pick their second and their third, and we'll snake like that. Um, so two films, two Tom Cruise films from the 80s, two from the 90s, two from the noughties, and two from the 10s. Um, I was going to throw another potential rule in there, like only one Mission Impossible film each allowed, but then I thought that might be kind of um, narrowing us down a little bit, so so no no rules on, on the films. Um, I've sent you got the list that I'm going by is the list that I sent to you guys, which are from the very um, reputable uh, Wikipedia page. Um, so yeah, I'm sure there won't be any um, any issues there either. And yeah, and you don't have to pick in order, so you don't have to pick your two films for the 80s, the 90s, the noughts. You can just you can just mix it up. Um, and then once we're done, um, I'll get and and the and the episode is is ready to to be listened to. I'll I'll put those onto um onto the social medias a couple of days after that, and and we'll see who's um who comes out on top. Um, so that's how we're gonna do it. And also, probably good thing to introduce now. I kind of thought if you don't remember, that's that's fine. <laughs> I kind of thought we could introduce that we're using um our own call sign handles for, for the draft. Um, so Wayne, what will you be known as for the for the draft? I will be going as Starscream because he was my favorite Transformer and he happened to be a fighter jet, so it makes sense. Fantastic. Edward, what are you going to be known as for the rest of the draft? I will be known as Hotshot because I can't use a different uh, vowel in the word shot. <laughs> I, I, every time I've written it, I've been like, "Oh no, got to take the eye out." Um, and is is that? It, does it come from the um, Charlie Sheen films, or is it just? More... Uh, it's just more that I I have a heightened sense of self. <laughs> Anything to pick yourself up there. Um, okay, no, it's great, and I'll be going as Riptide. Um, most of the ideas I had were, were pretty terrible. I'm, I'm half Irish, so I was kind of thinking, Shamrock, would that be good? I was like, no. Uh, I come from Plymouth, so I thought Pilgrim. No, that's a bit dull. Um, so I thought Riptide. Riptide's my favorite song by uh, by Vance Joy. Sounds pretty cool, I think. So that's why I'm going for, for Riptide. Um, so yes, so Steve is Riptide, Wayne is Starscream, Edward Hotshot. Now we will get to picking the order 
of the draft. Okay, so to pick the, the draft order, I'm um, using the services of my son, Henry. Henry, do you want to say hello? Hello. Hello. <laughs> okay, so I've got our names written down on white pieces of paper, uh, call signs, and then I've got the one, two, three written down on some pink pieces of paper. So Henry, can you draw one of the white pieces of paper? Just give it a mix up. And then, okay, yeah, go for it. So if you open it up, so the first name is Starscream. Starscream. So Starscream is the first name. And then could you pick a pink piece as well? So Starscream will be going second. Pick another white one. Riptide. That's me. That's me. Pick me a good number, hands. Pick me a good number. One of the pink ones. Well, number one. Ah, oh, rats. Number three. So that means, by order of elimination, that one should say... Hot shot. Hot shot. And number... One. Fantastic. Very, very well done, Henry. Thank you very much. Thank you, Henry. Say bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Okay, so we have we have Hotshot going number one, Starscream number two, and Riptide very unfortunately number three. I trade you. <laughs> no, no, you're okay. You're okay. Um, cool. Okay, so um, yeah, Edward Hotshot, whenever you're ready. What's your okay. uh, what's your first pick? So Hotshot with the first pick of the draft chooses. The Color of Money, 1986, directed by Martin Scorsese. It's my favorite performance of his uh, because I feel that it's Tom Cruise in his most vulnerable state. He wasn't quite a star yet. I remember when Color of Money was being made, Top Gun hadn't come out yet. So he was still Joel from Risky Business in the eyes of those who actually knew him. Mm -hmm. And again, I think Tom Cruise is at his best when he has a commanding director. So when he's got somebody like an Oliver Stone or a Martin Scorsese, I think he does his best work. And Color of Money is the one that for me was the movie more than anything else that made me see Tom Cruise as the potential actor he could become. Mm -hmm. And it's actually the movie where um, I, I judge all of his performances based on the color of money. So it's, it's just a great movie. Uh, if, if anyone has never seen it, it's a 1986 sequel of sorts to a 1961 movie called The Hustler. Paul Newman played uh, Fast Eddie Felsen. In the first movie, he was a young, hotshot uh, pool player who kind of gets taken for a ride by Jackie Gleason as a character named Minnesota Fats. It's Jackie Gleason's best performance, period. Uh, if you only know him on a, from a Honeymooners or his comedy stuff, you'll be blown away by, by his performance in The Hustler. And then 25 years later, along comes The Color of Money. Uh, Fast Eddie has retired from playing pool. He 
is mostly uh, a liquor salesman. And he's in a uh, bar with his girlfriend, who's the bartender at this particular bar, and they're talking about alcohol. And he hears um, a slam of a break on a pool table at the bar. And this is where he meets, this is where we meet Tom Cruise for the first time in the movie. And he's, his hair is jet is black and it's slicked back in a pompadour and he's wearing a black t-shirt that's got his character's name Vince on it. And over the course of the movie, he's kind of torn down and rebuilt by Paul Newman and who wouldn't want to be torn down and rebuilt by Paul Newman. <laughs> I just think it's a simple matter of just the color of money was the right role for the right actor at the right time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy to have it. And I don't particularly lament the, that they never got to work together mm -hmm. again, because those aren't really what we would consider to be Tom Cruise roles. Mm -hmm. um, could you see Tom Cruise in Shutter Island? Probably not. Can no. you see him? Can you see him in silence? No. Yeah. No matter the milieu uh, of, of what he's making, I'm, you know, Obviously, he wouldn't be in Kundun because that's, you know, a Tibetan movie about the Dalai Lama. So, you know, if, so, yeah, I just I, I'm kind of happy that he's found a, a a compatriot in Christopher McQuarrie, who's yeah. uh, a very good filmmaker. And uh, I have a couple stories about McQuarrie that I cannot say on the air of any show <laughs> that's not uh, not. NC-17. Okay. Uh, because I, I, I briefly knew McQuarrie in the, in the, around the time that he won his Oscar for uh, The Usual Suspects. Right. Okay. When he was first but, starting out. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think he's become a, a, an incredible action director. And I think he's a very good fit for the uh, Mission Impossible movies that they're making now. So I'm glad that Cruz has found a regular compatriot in fact actually now we can add joseph kaczynski they seem to be working together mm -hmm. uh more and more now so i'm glad he's found directors that work with him well and he works with well uh because that's really some of the best movies are you know if you look at scorsese's movies most of his best movies are with de niro or dicaprio or you know and hopefully in the next one maybe both mm -hmm. again yeah but you know I, I love how when you see certain directors working with certain actors over and over again, that they've built, they've built this familiarity that makes the work shine even more because they don't have to go through that, uh, that dance of, yeah. you know, of learning how the other person works. They just know how each other works. But yeah, I don't, I can't see any place where, where, where Cruz would fit in a Scorsese mm -hmm. movie after 1986. Fair enough. Fair enough. Great pick. Great pick. Um, film I, I have seen, but yeah, definitely need to um, need to rewatch. Um, okay, uh, Starscream. Let's go with yourself. All right. Well, I the one thing I would say I, I disagree with there is I I could actually picture Tom Cruise in the Kyle Chandler role in Wolf of Wall Street as the straight arrow FBI FBI guy and being an adversary to Leo. I think that'd be a really interesting role for him to play. I was going to say the McConaughey uh, part as well, maybe, but um, yeah, no, I can see that. Um, but yeah, I'm happy that my number one pick on my big board is there. 
So I'll say with the second pick in this Tom Cruise draft, I'm going with A Few Good Men, uh, directed by Rob Reiner. It is my second favorite movie of all time behind Major League, <laughs> and I can watch it a hundred times and never get tired of it, and the interaction between Tom Cruise and all the other fantastic actors that are in that film is just awesome. And although I think my favorite scene with him where he really shows his emotion is when he's arguing with the Marine who in real life was like his assistant, you know, um, but he's yelling yes. at him. And I think that's such a powerful scene. It's so great. But yeah, a few good Ben, uh, easy pick for me. Like I said, this was my number one on my big board and I was hoping I would get it. That is a fantastic pick. That would have been, yeah, that would have been one I'd hope to pick up early as well. Love that. Love that film. Um, Agreed. Yeah, definitely. Just endlessly quotable. Um, Tom Cruise part. I think Tom Cruise is getting a more starting to get more quotable in that film than Jack Nicholson at the moment. Um, just thinking about it earlier. Just the, yeah, just the amount of great stuff that he comes out with is is great. Um, very energetic performance. Just kind of just right. I listened to the to the rewatchables that they did on the um, A Few Good Men, and someone said on there it's it's quite a difficult role to pull off because there's so much so much nuance to it. Um, but but yeah no absolutely um absolutely amazing you're a big you're a fan of that one as well Edward. uh sorry you're a fan of that one as well hot shop uh yeah it's a fantastic movie i can actually i still remember where i saw it for the first time uh that's how much of an impression it made on me two, two brilliant picks to start off with there i think a few good men was high up there on mine so yeah not surprised that one's gone um so uh myself riptide my first pick of the Tom Cruise draft is going to be Top Gun. Um, playing to the crowd here. Um, very, very popular film. I didn't watch it probably until I was about, until I was in kind of my mid twenties, I think. So um, only about, so yeah, about 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, absolutely loved it. Um, I think, I think maybe I was more impressed with Val Kilmer the first time I watched it than than Tom Cruise, um, but I think the more you watch it, it's um, it's obviously just such a such a vehicle for Tom Cruise to become um, the uh, the movie star that that he did become. And um, just touching back on what you said earlier, um, uh, Starscream, I think kind of um, the way that he put together and the director put together um, Top Gun Maverick, it just it was the perfect kind of sequel that you could have done it had just had enough nostalgia enough kind of callbacks as well as um kind of yeah introducing some some new things in there as well and um yeah just a classic in every in every sense of the word um so yeah going going top gun with my my first pick i, I love top gun i think it's uh, again it's a really fun movie and mm. i know my wife doesn't enjoy it as much and i told her i said it's because you don't have enough testosterone <laughs> uh, you, you need a certain amount to really enjoy it and uh, to your point on Val Kilmer, I mean, what a great actor Val Kilmer is. And I just watched the documentary Val that he mm. did. And just yeah. going back and rewatching his catalog of real genius and, you know, Top Gun and The Saint and everything, The Doors, everything he's in. He was so, so, so good. I really, really like Val Kilmer. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, it's it's um, I think it's common knowledge that, you know, it's it's well known. He's got a, got a cameo in, in Top Gun Maverick. But um I just think that was was handled very very well as as well without giving away any spoilers for, for that it was um that was brilliant um so yeah and i watched that documentary as well absolutely absolutely amazing did, did have you ever um crossed paths with val kilmer at all uh, in your uh in back in your history before it um i'll just say edward 
<laughs> I'm losing it already. <laughs> um, well, well, the nice thing about working at a movie theater in, in Los Angeles is that you got to meet uh, a lot of famous people. Uh, and Val Kilmer, I've been in his presence, but I never actually, I don't know what it was that, that's different about Val Kilmer than Tom Cruise, but I never felt comfortable approaching uh, Val Kilmer. Um, I think the, the, the one time I had the closest was actually on the set of uh, Batman Forever. Okay. Um, back in the mid nineties, I was friends with the guy who run, who created and ran the Warner Brothers studio tour. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, this is, this, this might not even make the podcast. You might cut this all out, but I love this story. <laughs> okay, go for um, it now. Well, I, so I was managing this theater and the director of Batman Forever, Joel Schumacher was a regular and, uh, he kept trying to pick me up, even though, um, I, I don't, I've never swung that way, but he was very polite and nice about it. And one of the things is like, well, why don't, you know, why don't you call me sometime? He gave me his personal phone number. Why don't you call me and you can come down to the set and, you know, we'll just hang out. This is Joel Schumacher. And this is Joel Schumacher. Wow. Okay. And so what I, and, but I already could get onto the Warner brothers lot without him. So I called up my friend who ran the tour and said, Hey, can uh, I, you know, I've got a day off on Tuesday. Can I, you know, can you put me on the list? And so Tuesday, that, that Tuesday I drove up to the main Warner brothers gate. My name was on the list. I got my pass. I parked and I went right to the Batman forever set. Uh, I, I think they were shooting on stage 24 at the time, which is one of the larger sets uh, stages on the Warner brothers lot. And I just, I walked in, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm here to see Joel. <laughs> and, and they let me in and I went up and, you know, and, you know, they're setting up a scene. So when they're setting up a scene, the director doesn't do that much because the cameraman's doing their thing and yep. the, the actors are getting into costume and Val was actually on set that day in the Batman costume. Okay. But I just kind of went up to Joel Schumacher and it's like, Hey Joel, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on the lot. I just wanted to say, hi, I knew you were shooting today. Yep. And the look on his face was just like, who the hell are you? <laughs> you know, you're not just some movie theater manager I was trying to pick up. And then, and Val Kilmer was like 10 feet away. And so I just kind of like, Hey Val and walked out. Oh, nice. Nice. Played that. It's super so, cool. Yeah. So I never got to meet him and watching the, the Val documentary that he made with his, his son was uh, to paraphrase a, or to borrow from Dave Eggers, uh, a heartbreaking work of staggering genius. Yeah. Um, I just, I had to stop, I had to stop the movie multiple times when I was watching it because uh -huh. I, I was crying like a little baby because it was just so moving and so touching to have him be so open about yeah. his life and his mistakes and his, you know, his desires that never got fulfilled. And it's just, Val is such a, an amazing documentary. It really is. So with my second pick, I'm going to go with Tom Cruise's performance in the 2004 film, uh, Collateral. Um, so this is a um, film in which, uh, film that was directed by Michael Mann, in which uh, Tom Cruise plays a, um, a hitman for hire, uh, who's on a, a basically a, a one night stretch where he has to um, take out a number of people involved in a in a court case and he's being driven around by jamie fox's uh cab driver and uh hilarity ensues from there um 
I like the I love this performance from Tom Cruise because he um, it's a different side to him. You know, he, he hasn't played the the bad guy in, in movies very often. Um, it's a different look for him. You know, he's got the he's got that kind of salt and pepper hair going on, um, very kind of like wolfish looking um, in his in his appearance, and um, just with everything that he does, he he plays a convince he makes a convincing performance as, as any type of uh, character, but he's very convincing as a um, uh, as a professional hitman i think in in that film he's got great chemistry with um with jamie fox um and i just think it's a it's a brilliant performance right kind of big at times um smaller more nuanced when it needs to be as well and um and slightly darkly comic hit at times as well he comes out with some great he comes out with some great lines to uh to jamie fox um Hey, Lady Macbeth, the light is green. Um, that's that's one of my personal favourites. Um, so, yeah, no, I just uh, I love that film. Um, big fan of Michael Mann, and and I think it was just a, uh, an inspired piece of casting for, to put Tom Cruise in in that role, and and a great performance from him as well. So that's collateral for my uh, second pick and first one in the two thousands. Um, either of you guys had that anywhere on on your list at all? It was my number two for the two thousands. Uh, Wayne, sorry, did you have any thoughts on collateral at all? Uh, just briefly, I'd say that I, I had it 19th on my big board. Um, <laughs> so you're not too, I, not too sad about that. Yeah, I wasn't too sad about losing that one. It's a movie that, again, I don't really like a lot of film noir or like the darker type movies. I don't like Seven. I don't like you know, just movies that have like that darker feel to it. So I, uh-huh. I thought it was a good movie and I thought the performances were good, but it's not a movie that like, I'm going to rewatch anytime soon. Uh-huh. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, Brilliant. Okay, so we're going to snake back and we're going to go with Starscream and your second pick. Well, I'm so excited because, like I said, A Few Good Men was number one on my big board. I was glad to get that, but I'm even more ecstatic to get what was number two on my big board uh, and nobody grabbed it, and that is Jerry Maguire. And for me, Jerry Maguire, just you get to see such a range from Tom here where he you get to see him ecstatic and fun and outgoing. You get to see him kind of depressed. You get to see him confused. He, he really runs the gamut in what he shows you on the screen. And obviously, you, know, you have Cuba Gooding Jr. was amazing in it. And you've got, you know, Renee Zellweger, I could do without, you know, whatever, take it or leave it. She's forgettable. But <laughs> I think that, you know, Tom, Tom Cruise was great in it. And it's really, it was number two on my big board is all I can say about it. I, I love Jerry Maguire. Good stuff. Good stuff. That's your your nineties filled up already. Brilliant. Oh well, you did say that as your kind of that's that's what you saw was kind of peak cruise, yeah. Yep. Cool. Fantastic. And and I just have to quickly ask, Renny Zellweger, forgettable in general or just just in that film? I would say in general. Fair enough. Okay, we'll leave that there then. Um, great. Okay. Yeah, Jerry Maguire again. Another one I need to rewatch. Really, I think I only watched it. I think I've only ever watched it once. Um, no, obviously a lot of the the famous quotes and famous scenes from it, but um. Uh, yeah, he was he was nominated for a Best Actor Oscar for this one. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. He didn't, he yeah. didn't win it, but he was nominated. Yeah, no, yeah. no, I know he's, he's not won. He's not won one, is he? I know. Um, that was the year that most of the Oscars were uh, nominated. The movies that were nominated were independent films, and he was the only actor from a Hollywood studio movie to be nominated for Best Actor that year. Uh-huh. Just, uh huh. Just, you probably know this, but do you know who won that year? Um, I would have to look it up. 96. I want to say it's Jeffrey Rush for Shine, but I would have to look it up, which I can do very quickly. Um, 
this is, Mac, this is terrible. The host, the host it is. Do this. It is. It was Jeffrey it Rush. Was, okay. It was Jeffrey Rush for Shine, and um, I I have to agree. It's one of Tom Cruise's best. That was uh, number two on my nineties uh, my nineties list myself. And uh, Cameron Crowe is one of my favorite writers and directors. Um, Almost Famous is my favorite movie of all time. Oh, great. And okay. I actually think that Tom Cruise, if Tom Cruise was going to make a movie about a rock and roll star, mm -hmm. I think he would have been great as Hammond. Uh, I know the role was originally supposed to be Brad Pitt before it went to um, Billy Crudup. Yep. Uh, I think Tom Cruise might have actually, in, in 1999 when they made that movie, I think Tom Cruise would have been fantastic for Russell Hammond of, of Cruise of Cruise's movies. Jerry Maguire is one of my favorites simply because Cameron Crowe is such an amazing writer and director. And I also want to also give a little shout out to the late great Kelly Preston, who's only in like three scenes in the movie and she just absolutely destroys Cruise every time she's on screen because she's really <laughs> the only one dealing with, or she's he's the only one that she's dealing with during the movie and every time she's on screen she just destroys him mm. she was so brilliant in the movie and, and her passing a couple of years ago was she left way too early yeah she was she was becoming a, a a really great actress yeah no definitely um and uh yeah no that's that's very well said thank you um cool okay jerry Maguire. that's so that's your 90s filled up there uh star screen good choices few good men and jerry Maguire. um so let's go back to hotshot for his his second pick okay well um with my next pick uh i am completing my 80s with taps okay uh, it's a 1981 film uh, directed by Harold Becker, who also did The Onion Field. Uh, and it's Cruz's first big role. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the movie, it takes place at a military academy. Uh, George C. Scott is the head of the military academy. And it also stars Timothy Hutton uh, in his first movie after he won the Oscar for Ordinary People. It's also Sean Penn's first big movie. And... It's about this group of cadets who fight back when the owners of the military school decide to sell the school and give, and so the, the cadets that are there now, that's going to be the last year and how they kind of fight back in a lot of ways. It's, it's like a modern day Lord of the Flies, but instead of on an island, it's in a military academy, uh, just, and Cruz, he, he's, he's not the star. He's one of the supporting characters, but there's, if you've seen it and you're going to know exactly which scene I'm talking about, but there's a scene towards the end where that's the first time we see the spark uh -huh. of what Tom Cruise is going to become. If you've never seen Taps, you absolutely must find it and watch it as soon as possible, <laughs> especially if you're a Tom Cruise fan and you've never bothered to see it because it's, uh, again, it's a supporting role. It's not his he's not the star but just that last scene of his in the movie i'm not going to give anything away but i saw that when i was 14 when it came out and holy crap that guy was going to be a star no matter what but again if you haven't seen the movie i'm not going to give the scene away at all because when it pops up it's 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 shocking 
and incredible. And that's all I'm going to say. Starscream, is this one you need to pick up on, or, or you've seen this one before? I actually haven't seen Taps, and it's funny because I, I, so I didn't have it in my top 24. Um, I, I knew it was about a military thing. I knew he was a supporting role in it, uh, but I wasn't 100% familiar with the plot and whatnot. I just haven't really got around to watching some of the, the, the really, really early Tom mm-hmm. Cruise stuff. Yeah, no, I'm the, I'm the same there as well. I think just, yeah, I think I know a few bits about he, he kind of went a bit, I, I don't know if they all went a bit kind of method actory on that. I know he had something kind of done to his teeth and um, it's, uh, I've seen, I think I've seen a couple of scenes where he's, he's going a bit crazy, but, um, but yes, no, I will take your advice and uh, yeah, go and seek that one out as soon as I, as soon as I can. Um, okay. So let's start to snake back a little bit. What is your um, third choice? Okay, so with my third choice, I am going to take Magnolia. Because uh, I am absolutely shocked that it's still on the board. This would have been my um, third choice. <laughs> sorry. Um, no, you're fine, you're fine. I, I have to give a caveat. I am not a big fan of Paul Thomas Anderson as a writer or a director. Um, I do have a personal history with him that goes all the way back to uh, his first movie, Sydney. Um, I'll, I may have told this story in one of my shows, but I don't remember. Uh, I won't go into too much here, but I, I have a personal history with, with Paul Thomas Anderson that isn't acrimonious at best. <laughs> uh, but I will say that Tom Cruise in Magnolia is, is mind-blowing. He is so good in those scenes that he is in. And then to discover how he ties into the the whole story even more is heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And he was nominated for an Oscar for that. And I've never watched the movie again, in part because, again, I'm not a big fan of Paul Thomas Anderson's, but he is so devastating as Frank Mackey and I, I just, I, I can't go through that again. Is, okay. is what I'll say. Uh-huh. Is he, it just it, he destroyed me when I saw it, and the only reason I even stayed for the entire movie was waiting for Tom Cruise to snake his way back into the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm just shocked that you guys let it go that far. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, it's number three on my board after, uh, for the 90s after A Few Good Men and Jerry Maguire. So I'm kind of, but uh, yeah, he's, he's just amazing. It's so completely different for him. And, and I have the, for lack of a better word, the luxury of seeing him progress as an actor. So I was there, you know, at the start for Taps and Risky Business and Endless Love and Losing It and all the right moves. I've gotten to see him, his entire character, his entire arc as an actor from the very start. Because unfortunately, that's one of the beauties of age. You get to see things progress as they actually happened. So to see him go from those action movies that he was making a lot of, and then to see this character fully formed, completely different, but so reliant on his magnetic charm and then to use that to manipulate the audience the way that they did uh it's probably the best thing that paul thomas anderson has ever done in my opinion was that specific character 
such an amazing introduction to any character, but having those words come out of Tom Cruise's mouth as his first thing in the film. Um, absolute genius. Um, if anyone knows, or maybe used to watch Inside the Actor Studio with, with um, his episode of Inside the Actor Studio or know anything about him personally from his from his background, um, you'll know that that scene um, at the end with his dad is um, a very personal one as well, um, reflects things that happened in his life. So um, yeah, this would have been my um, my number one pick for, for the 90s as well, but just uh, I think maybe just wanted to make sure I got got collateral in there for the for the 2000s instead so um no I, I think that's a that's a brilliant that's a brilliant pick um uh i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that this starscream isn't probably a fan of this film <laughs> it was not in my top 24 i bet and yeah it, well again and we judge movies differently everybody does and it's basically i understand what you guys are saying with movies like collateral and like magnolia where the performances are really really great and for me, when I rank a movie, for me, it has to do with rewatchability. Like, that's the biggest thing. Like, can I go back and watch this again and again and again and never really get tired of it? And that's what's going to really put a movie way up high on my list. And to the point that if we were doing an all-time movie draft, just, you know, no actor, just all-time movie draft, I would not have any of the Godfathers in my top 50. Just because I can't it, – it was hard for me to get through them the first time. I'm never going to go back and watch them again. <laughs> okay, I'm out. <laughs> Um, the, the, what was the quote that, um, Wayne said to me on, when I joined him on the podcast, I was like, come on, it's great. The, the, you know, the opera, the opera of it and the, you know, the change in Al Pacino. And he said, oh God, the wedding took like two hours. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, not, not a fan. Um, let me just check here. Yeah. Edward is still on the call. So that's great. I thought you might've actually gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still here. You're still there. Um, Okay, yeah, no, not not a surprise there, but uh, yeah, no, brilliant, absolutely brilliant performance. Um, so, yeah, that's your two picks there. So, Starcream, let's go to your third pick. Yeah, so I'm actually kind of skipping over one of the higher ones on my list because I really want to kind of jump into the 80s, which I'm going to do with Rain Man. Uh, I thought it was such a great movie. My mom loved this movie uh, growing up, and she thought this was like Tom Cruise was fantastic in it, and, and he was. Uh, Dustin Hoffman obviously was amazing because he got the Academy Award for it. But uh, I just really enjoy this movie. I could watch it over and over. Uh, she used to love the scene where they read the will to him, and he's just pissed, right? He's like, oh, no. He goes, hey, I, I, got, the, I got the roses, right? So, I mean, that's all that matters. I mean, he got all the money. I got the roses. <laughs> and uh, I just think it's such a great movie. And, and, again, I can watch it. And the development of him going from just being annoyed at having this person in his life to really realizing what this person meant in his life, I just think it's such a great journey. So I went with Rain Man. One of those great – I love the performances that – are the ones that are next to the big um, award uh, grabbing performances. You know, I like those ones that kind of just ground the film and and aren't as I know it's a little bit showy in that film, but just aren't aren't is the kind of the other guy. You know, um, and I think he he plays that one uh, amazingly in in that film. Again, another one I have watched, but but not recently. Need to watch again. But um, you know what? A run. I think when we when we kind of everyone's picked their 80s um picks just just the run he had there um becoming a star was was absolutely incredible and the and the um people that he worked with um how was, was this one high up on your list for the for the 80s hot shot uh it would have it was number three on my list and uh it was a movie that we played at my theater um i want to say we played it five months 
which seems like an amazing amount of time today, but back then was actually, um, it was, it was less amazing, uh, but still a movie that people were still coming to see, you know, almost half a year after it came out. Uh, not a lot of movies did that then. Almost nobody does that now, but it was, it was an amazing film for me. Uh, I love Barry Levinson. I did an episode about Barry Levinson movies in the eighties. And one of the beauty things about working in a movie theater is that you get, if, if you find a movie that you love and you know where certain scenes are that you love, that you can time it so you can just kind of slide into the back of the theater mm -hmm. and lean up against the back wall and just kind of watch it happen. And for me, Rain Man, as good as Dustin Hoffman is in the movie, that performance does not win without Tom Cruise. No. Uh, because you need that yin and yang Definitely. together uh -huh. to, for, that, for that role to work. Raymond doesn't work without Charlie. Charlie doesn't work without Raymond. And uh, the, the history of that movie... Um, if you listen to if you listen to the Barry Levinson uh, episode, to realize that Barry Levinson was like the sixth director on that film, after people like Sidney Pollack and Steven Spielberg, and to realize that you know Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman so wanted to work together that they stuck with the movie through all of its iterations and directors' changes, and then to see how quickly that film came together. And those two actors just being so in sync together, it's just like they made the right call of waiting for this movie to, to happen by any means because uh, it literally came together finally within months. If you, uh, the movie started shooting in April of 1988 and was in theaters by December after five, oh, other, okay. direct, after five other directors tried to make the movie and couldn't get a, a hold on it. And filmmakers, like I said, there, there were some amazing filmmakers on that movie before it finally got made with Barry Levinson. And, and to even realize that the, the psychiatrist at the end of the movie is Barry Levinson, mm -hmm. you know, the, that he's, he's not just making the movie, but he's actually participating in the movie. It was just, Levinson was just an amazing talent, especially in the 80s. And it was just the right blend of, of actors and filmmaker and the script having that extra time to really become special. Uh, Rain Man's a fantastic pick. And if it, if Color Money or Taps hadn't come out, I would have already grabbed it by now. Great. No, that's that's brilliant. I uh, My personal anecdote with Rain Man is it, um, it helped me win uh, two DVDs on a BBC Radio 1 competition um, back in, when was it? It would have been 2004. Um, so they had five, five questions. If you can text in and answer them correctly, you'll win. Oh, what did I win? Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Van Helsing on, on DVD. And um, I think the first four questions were quite quite easy. The fifth one was what film, it was something like what film caused um, a dip in um, plane bookings uh, for for a, number, for a amount of time after, the, after it had come out. Um, and I think most people had had written Final Destination, and I was like, no, I remember reading that when Dustin Hoffman reels off, you know, the amount of people, the amount of 
crashes and people that die on planes um caused that i was oh no it's rain man um so yeah that caused that um allowed me to uh to uh, appear on on bbc radio one uh for a few minutes and, and make a fool of myself so uh so yeah that was that was my little side story about about rain man so it's my picks okay so i have to be a little bit strategic here as to what i'm gonna do because uh okay i think i'm gonna go with eyes wide shut for my first pick for the 90s so that is uh my third pick overall um i don't i wouldn't say i'm a huge fan of this film um when i watched it i think i've seen it twice when I watched it for the first time, I think I remember just watching it with a puzzled look on my face for most of the time um, mm. as to what exactly was going on and what was the, the meaning behind everything. Um, very illuminating film. Um, but Tom Cruise was definitely a... He gave a great performance to kind of keep that probably similar to Rain Man as well. You know, this is a it's a very highfalutin film. It's got a lot of ideas it's got a lot of craziness going on within the film um but he kind of keeps very steady very still going through it very magnetic and you're, you're going through it with him from his pov quite a lot as well um so i think for a for a film that was quite long that was quite um i think i heard an interview with him where they had like two christmases i think while they were filming the film um it was um it was just a very very good performance in a in a possibly a difficult uh difficult shoot um so yeah so i'm gonna go for that one for my first 90s pick um potentially this uh this one you're a fan of hot shot possibly um i i love kubrick movies and i wonder i have to wonder because he died like five months before it came out mm-hmm. it's claimed that that was his final cut but it doesn't feel as finished and polished as a kubrick movie usually is yeah he had a reputation for changing the movies even after they were out so you have to wonder what the movie would have ended up being if he had lived to its release mm-hmm. um i mean he was such a perfectionist that uh in fact, the, you brought it up. Uh, the movie actually holds the record, a Guinness World Record, for the longest film shoot. <laughs> um, that an un, it, there was it shot for fifteen months, and there was a forty-six week period where the movie shot six days a week for forty-six weeks without a break. My God! And uh, they actually started production in November of nineteen ninety-six and didn't finish filming until June of. 98 mm-hmm. so it was filmed practically over 19 months but in that time period there was a nearly one year period where he just shot every continuously s- continuously and so you know that's the amount of perfection that kubrick had had become at that point of his career mm-hmm. so i just as much as i like the movie as as a story and as a visual st- story I've never wanted to go back to visit again because it's just such a a hard film to watch. Yeah. And a lot of it is to me is because I don't think it's a proper Kubrick movie because he he did not I don't think he got to finish it because um he he showed a cut to Cruz and Kidman 6 days before he died. 
And so, you know, and so I can't, I don't think that was his final cut. Yeah. I just like, this is where I am at this moment. And then he died and he didn't get to finish it. So my understanding is that outside of a few um, CG additions of, uh, to cover up some of the nudity, so the film could get an R rating that the movie is just basically the cut that he showed Cruz and uh, Kidman the week before he died. Okay. So for me, it's, it's just a hard movie to watch because I, I don't think it's his, I don't think he was able to give it his best effort. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say that Cruz is, uh, if you look at the, you know, Eyes Wide Shut and Magnolia both came out in 1999, even though they were filmed a year and a half apart, but those two performances in the same year showed such a different side of Cruz and what he could have become as an actor had he not swerved into the, you know, into his, you know, War of the World, Last Samurai. You know, he, he swerved into a much different career. Good movies, good performances. But those two performances in those two movies were just amazing. Definitely, definitely. Was this anywhere on your list at all, Wayne? It was not on my list at all. And uh, basically, it just it's not a movie, again, that I find rewatchable or entertaining in, in any way. It's its a movie that it's, I don't know, it's an artsy movie. And, and I, I hate artsy movies. I hate movies where it's like, well, the symbolism of the society at the time and the, the stock market. Like, I don't care about any of that. I want to go be entertained. You know, like uh, he says in, in Gladiator, are you not entertained? I was not when I watched Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> and there was a lot of hype coming into it, right? They were talking about how it's going to get an NC-17 rating because, and and you're hearing that and you're okay, Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman, they're married. They're doing these scenes. I was going into it expecting nine songs. It was more (laughs) timid than basic instinct. (laughs) It's, um, I suppose like a lot of Kubrick films, it's a, it's, um, it's a, it's a story. It's a movie, but it's an experience as well. It makes you, makes you kind of get wrapped up in the whole, in the whole thing and it makes you feel a certain way so um so yeah no i i completely understand where you're coming from there um right okay so that was my first pick for the 90s and i think what i'm gonna do is um i am gonna pick my second 90s film and i'm gonna go with mission impossible um again maybe playing to the crowd a little bit um but um i love brian de palma um i think this is a i think this is a clever tv to film uh transition i think it's um again it's been a little while since i've seen it but i think some of the casting in it is is fantastic i think picking i think maybe this was probably the right time um in his career where um you know if he was going to go into any kind of franchise this is the maybe the the time to do it um possibly the film before was a little bit of a a disappointment and maybe his first dud for a little while um it's got you know it's one maybe one of the first films that's got tom cruise's fingerprints all over it i think he produced this one it was his first production the um cruise magner um so i just think it's a great movie star performance it's probably ethan hunt at his most um uh, expressive, you know, some good lines in there. Um, and yeah, I just think a, a, a really enjoyable popcorn film. Um, but with, um, yeah, just a few other things going on there at the same time. So that'll be Mission Impossible for my second 90s pick. Um, Wayne, was this, uh, sorry, Starscream, was this on yours? 
Yeah, this one is. Obviously, it's, it's a popcorn movie, right? And I saw this movie when I was in high school when it came out. I saw it in the theater twice. Uh, I've seen it several times since then. I really enjoy this. It's a fun movie. I think you have a lot of really good performances from different people. Obviously, you have John Voight in there. You've got a small role with Emilio Estevez. Jean Renault is fantastic in yeah. everything he's in. Yeah. So uh, it's just it's such a good movie. I enjoyed it a lot is really all I can say about it. And it's it's a classic popcorn flick. Yeah, definitely. How about yourself, uh, Hot Shot? Um, I, for me, it's just weird because I love De Palma movies and I don't think it's one of De Palma's strongest movies when I, but when I watch it, I'm engrossed. I've seen it like three times. I think the last time I watched it was about a year, a year and a half ago. And I don't even remember why I watched it. It's like, oh, I haven't watched this in 25 years. Let's go ahead and give it another shot. And it was, it was a well-made movie. But it's when I when I'm not watching it, I just don't think much of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's a good movie because of Brian De Palma. But I don't think it's uh, it's one of Cruz's better roles. And when I'm my criteria is for a film, you know, if I'm doing a Tom Cruise draft, is how is Tom Cruise in the movie? And he's serviceable, but for a De Palma movie. The, you know, a lot of the times the actors are secondary to the action set pieces. And there are a lot of great action set pieces in this movie. But if it wasn't Tom Cruise, it literally could have been any other actor. And it probably wouldn't lost have that much in terms of a performance. So in the 90s, it was actually at the bottom of my list. Because um, I have a, I have a two, I, my list is two tiered. And there's the, 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 the exceptional performances from the 90s. And then there's the serviceable performance of the 90s. And for me, it just, it was serviceable. His, his role was serviceable. And I think as the movies have progressed, we're, we're on number seven now. But yeah, I think, I think so, yeah. I think as the movies have progressed, especially when McQuarrie took over as the, the director of the franchise, that his roles within the stories have become much more dynamic. But because this is a De Palma movie, I don't think that it relies on Tom Cruise as much as future MI movies did. So for me, it was actually at the bottom of my 90s list. Okay, okay. I, I, will, I will very politely and slightly disagree with you on, on maybe putting anybody in there. Um, I think... I think this well, obviously, is... if you put uh, carrot top or <laughs> you know someone else, within, obviously within reason, within a, of course, yes, yeah, within reason, of course, a, yeah. a, a, an actor who would have been able to, you know, carry a franchise starting movie like Mission Impossible. So yeah, I, I don't see uh, um, you know maybe Alec Baldwin, but not uh, Daniel Baldwin. You know, <laughs> I, so. I just, I just, yeah, no, I, I, I understand what you're saying, definitely, but I think maybe, um, I can understand what you're saying about about Brian De Palma and his films, but I think, you know, this is, um, you know, this is probably six years, yeah, six years after his last real action film that he did in in Days of Thunder, I'd say, and it's not long after maybe, um, 
Tom Cruise, the the actor, for want of a better word, was was kind of churning out great stuff as well. So I think it had that good balance for him at the time of, okay, yeah, this is a movie star whose face can be all over the posters and can carry this as if it's potentially going to be a franchise, but also, um, you know, put in a, a performance that's going to maybe heighten and um, make the uh, make the crazy plot and, and everything they got to use quite, you know, as, as serious as it can be. Um, you know, obviously a lot of his performances nowadays, there's a there's a wink and a, and a tongue and cheekness to it at times. But I think, you know, he took that, you know, that's a, it's a very, you, know, you seem to take the role very, very seriously. And um, it had the right balance to it, I feel. But, but yes, no, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. So let's snake back and it's your fourth pick, Starscream. All right. Well, I closed out the 90s and I'm going to close out the 80s here saying, what the F? And I'm taking risky <laughs> business. Uh, obviously, this is the movie that was, you know, made him a star. Right. And I think that, you know, it, it's a fun movie. It's obviously not his best movie, but obviously I'm going by era and I'm like, you know, I need another 80s movie. Um, and I, I don't know. Risky business is fun. I, I still enjoy the uh, the Porsche 628 or whatever it is. And uh, Rebecca De Mornay is hot as ever in this film. So yeah, yep. risky business. <laughs> Was this a, a big one for you in 83? Um, uh, oh, yeah. So uh, let's see. Summer of 83, I was 16. Wait, 16 or 15? Somewhere around there. Yeah. So, you know, Joel Joel was a couple of years older than me. And so, you know, I'm in high school as well by then and an American teenager. So I could relate to Joel in a number of ways, upper middle class, um, parents aren't seemingly too interested in him, can kind of get away with murder a little bit and, and not get into too much trouble. So uh, in a number of ways, I related to Joel uh, for similar upbringings. I obviously, I did not live in as big of a house as they did. Uh, my wife, my mom didn't collect, you know, glass of eggs the way his mom did. <laughs> Uh, my dad drove a Porsche, but it was an early 70s 914 with the uh, roof that would detach and you'd have to literally leave in your garage. You couldn't, you know, it didn't store away or, or, you know, it actually literally popped off. So it wasn't as nice as Joel's dad's Porsche. And uh, so in many ways, I kind of could relate to his quote unquote class struggles. Uh, obviously, it was a heightened uh struggle for for the movie but yeah i wish i was in when i was that age i wish i was as cool as joel um but i don't think i learned the lessons of risky business until i was older and away from those teenage years and realized that uh, the the writer and director would uh, i want to say uh paul brickman if I'm remembering correctly, uh, he was telling a much different story than I originally saw because I was seeing the gloss instead of the uh, rust behind the gloss. Okay, yeah. But but in terms of yeah, it 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 rightfully made Cruz a star. Um, it was the perfect early vehicle for him to become a star. Nobody was expecting uh, that movie to become a hit, and. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have become a hit with with probably anybody else. That was just right actor, right movie, right time. Second time I think you've said that now for, for yeah. Him. Um, yeah. Well, a lot of his career is just like 
Yeah. The, 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 the roles that he had, it was just like to, to be 23 or 24 and to get to work with Martin Scorsese and Paul Newman, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on color of money that, and, and he's not, he hasn't become the, a star in the way that Top Gun would make him a star. You know, like I said, Top Gun had been made, but hadn't been released. So mm-hmm. it was, again, there, there's like three movies in his career where it's right movie, right filmmaker, right time. And I think Taps is the first one. And Risky Business is the second one. And Color of Money is the third one. Mm-hmm. Where it just, it, it was, fire, everything was firing on all cylinders. Uh, they might not have been uh, the big hits that Top Gun or Rain Man or uh, Days of Thunder and Mission Pop. They weren't the humongous hits that they could have been even though they were all hits in, in one way or another. But for him, it was just like, I am building a career for the long term, and these are the risks that I'm willing to take at this point of my career to move it along. Yeah. And so, yeah, risky business. Uh, if I hadn't been, if I'd already closed out my 80s draft, it was high on my list as well. Yeah, Hotshot, we're going for you for your next two picks. Okay, so I'm going to take my first 2000 movie, and I am going to take Tropic Thunder. <laughs> um, because, again, I'm, I'm judging this on his performance. Yep. And you, we had never, up to this point, we had never seen him do this type of character. We had never seen him be put into that much makeup for any character and then to play so over the top and be so hilarious in every scene ben stiller probably doesn't get as much credit as a director as he should Mm -hmm. um but tropic thunder is probably his best movie as a director and i I actually have it number one on my list of 2000 movies, even over collateral. Wow. Okay. Uh, because it's just such a great performance and it's, it's just enough where it's, you know, if you'd had more or less in that movie, it might not have been as effective. He, it, he's used just enough to work. Mm-hmm. I think if, if there was less, less, the movie would have suffered. If that was, there was more or less, the movie would have suffered. It was just the right amount of, of crazy, wacky insanity. And it, I, I actually didn't even know going in. I didn't even know that was Tom Cruise at first. It took me like, <laughs> yeah. it took me like two scenes to finally realize, Holy crap, that's Tom Cruise under all that makeup. Yeah. Cause I don't think he got credited on the, in the advertising. I don't think he got credited in the trailer. I don't think he's credited at the start of the movie. You had to watch the movie and then the title card towards the end and Tom Cruise as as Les Goodman or Grossman. Uh, and then, you know, because that's the joke. It's like he's under so much makeup and he's doing something you've never seen him do before. And so of the 2000s, that's probably my favorite performance of his. I love that performance as well. I was exactly the same as you. It took me a little while to, to realize that was Tom Cruise. Um but no, I think I think it's uh, I think it's brilliant. One his scene with, um, well, his scene where he does the dance at the end, and also the scene where um, Matthew McConaughey 
Pecker yeah. uh, comes into his um, uh, comes into his his office for the first time. Yeah, there are always two scenes I often dial up on on YouTube when I'm looking for a laugh. So uh, so yeah, no, I th- I thought it was amazing as well. Was was it? I I assume you're a fan of this one as well, Starscream. Uh, yeah, this one's a good one. It's a funny movie, and I thought he was great in it. And uh, obviously, not the best part of the movie. For me, the best part of the movie is Robert Downey Jr. And I laugh every time I see him in it because actually, when I saw the preview for the movie before it came out, and the scene where he says, "I'm the dude playing the dude disguised as the other dude," <laughs> like uh, that scene alone got me into the theater to watch it, and I was very pleased with the entire film. I thought it was really funny uh, from top to bottom, and yeah, Tom Cruise was great in it, so no problems yeah. with it. Um, so let's go for your uh, for your next pick. Harsh. All right, um, I am going to be uh, taking the first pick from the 2010s, and um, I'm really waffling on this one because uh, I don't know. I'm just going to pick one right now. I'm going to go for Edge of Tomorrow. Okay. Um, oh, just sorry to sorry to cut you off, but are we all in agreement? Maybe this was the hardest to pick your your favorites for everybody to pick your two that you want. Yeah, of the two of the two thousand tens, you know, it was going to be either that or another movie, which I'm presuming one of you will pick it before I get the chance to. Uh, but of of the two movies, uh, Edge of Tomorrow is is a great movie, and I love how Tom Cruise maneuvers his way through the story, and also I I love that Tom Cruise just keeps getting killed over and 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 over again. But uh, but the way that he works with uh, with Emily Blunt, uh, and she's such a badass in the movie. Um, I was not expecting anything from the movie, and the way that they uh, really screwed up the marketing and advertising of the movie. Uh, I didn't even see it when it was in theaters. I caught it on video a couple of years later and was pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the 2010s are pretty much his his weakest decade so far. Yeah. Uh, but of the movies, I have another movie that's that I could have easily just gone with uh, as his best. But I'm edging Edge of Tomorrow simply because it's such a unique movie within his own CV, and then and it, and it's entertaining, and he he seems to be having fun while he's making the movie. And a lot of the movies, it doesn't seem you know it seems more like he's into showing off what he can do and in this one he kind of has to be uh even though it's a big action sci-fi movie he kind of has to hold back a little bit sometimes which uh he doesn't always do so i kind of like that uh and, and i actually have the same things for the other movie that hopefully i get to pick again uh if you guys don't but um yeah i think his his performance is just a lot different than i would have expected from a movie like that I um I haven't seen this. This is one I was hoping to see before the um before the draft. Um and it's not available in any streaming service that I've got. So um so yeah, I couldn't unfortunately. Um how how is this one for you, Starscream? I like it. Obviously, it's a great great choice for the 2010s, uh-huh. and I'm really surprised they haven't come out with a sequel yet because I think it deserves a sequel. And I think Tom Cruise was funny in it, and I thought that it was just. Again, if you haven't seen it, obviously it's Groundhog Day meets Aliens, you know, um, <laughs> and it's really good. I really enjoy it, so I have no issue with it. So, Starscream, we're on to your fifth pick. Yeah, and I'm going to dip into the 2000s. I'm taking Minority Report. 
uh, obviously Steven Spielberg and Tom Cruise. This was a movie I saw in the theater as well and really liked this movie a lot. I don't like Colin Farrell either, but I liked him in this. <laughs> and uh, I just like the Agreed. whole movie in general. The, the only issue I have with it is probably about 25 minutes too long. But other than that, I thought it was a great story. It was uh, a great you know, I say I don't like the whole, you know, this is a society, you know, speaking about society, and it kind of does that, but I, I did like the movie as a whole, and so I, I went with Minority Report here as my next pick. Great. Very good. Very good pick. Um, yeah, don't have much to say on it myself, but um, no, brilliant. Um, obviously, one of two um, collaborations with Steven Spielberg quite close together. Um, I think you might know more about this if there is anything to it at all, um, Edward, but from what i understand the that collaboration ended maybe a little sooner than it was supposed to after war of the worlds um because it was close to when things got a little bit weird there for a couple of years with tom cruise um uh so yeah it would have been interesting to see what else he he might have done with him possibly but um yeah uh any thoughts on on that or the or the film itself um minority report is not one of my favorite spielberg movies um I agree that it's it's at least a half an hour too long. Um, it's this, if I remember right, the Philip K. Dick story is a, a very short story. Um, I'm going to look it up while I'm talking. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I don't. I don't. I read it years ago, and I don't remember it being all that long because it's act, it was actually published in a uh, magazine back in 1956 originally. So it's so to create a two and a half an hour movie out of a short story that was maybe 15 or 20 pages, there was a lot of extra stuff in there that didn't necessarily need to be in there. But I understand why Spielberg did what he did because, you know, CG was making leaps and bounds in the early 2000s, even way past what he was doing with the dinosaurs eight or 10 years earlier. So I just. I find the movie very frustrating. I think Cruz is okay in it, but it's again, another one of these movies where um, a lot of it could have been with another actor of a, of a similar um, prestige and not lost a lot. Cruz is good in it, but he's not essential to the story. And so that's why it was, it was still in the top half of my 2000s but not very high on the top half. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm going to round off my um, 2000s. If I, if we were to include films that maybe he's just had any involvement with, maybe just as a producer not been in, I would have picked NARC. Um, that's one of my favorite films in the, and a um, dreadfully underseen film, a very underrated film. Um, Obviously, R.E.P. Ray Liotta recently um, loved that film, and he he was a big reason that it got got the distribution that it did get, and um, yeah, made made any kind of money that it, that it did as well. So just wanted to make a quick shout out to that one. Um, but my second choice for the two thousands will be let's go the Last Samurai. Um, so he made this, at, well, sorry. This and Collateral were were released back to back. Um, so this was released in two thousand three. Um, it's I think it's a film, maybe one of the first films that really he's um, 
wanting to sh- to show off his his dedication and his um his movie starness in 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 the film and what he's gonna what he's gonna go at length to to do and that that's actually him um i think i listened to another podcast the other day and it's like um you know tom cruise has turned into the to the jackie chan of american filmmaking um where you know all the stunts are him and, and everything um so this was an ed's wick movie uh 2003 um i think it's a I think it's a good performance by by Tom Cruise. He's he's kind of puts on a bit of weight. He's under a beard and some long hair, so um, you know, maybe can't takes away from his. Um, got a great supporting cast that that are helping him out in that film. Timothy Spall, Ken Watanabe, Watanabe, um, Billy Connolly, um, and yeah, I think I've only seen it once or twice. Remember enjoying it. I think it's a bit of a one that's lost in his back catalogue a little bit. It doesn't really get talked about a lot. Maybe he was um, hoping to a bit of a an oscar bait film um historic one and um but uh but yeah no i think it's a, a perfectly good performance by him and uh, a perfectly good film as well and i'm happy to happy to take it as my second one of the of the 2000s um do you guys got any feelings about this film at all i think it's a good film uh, i enjoyed it i like the story i like uh, the action that's in it uh, i just like the way the whole film progresses and i think tom cruise was fine in it uh, i will say that I wanted to pick Edge of Tomorrow with my next pick before Hot Shot took it, so I went with Minority Report, and then my next pick was going to be The Last Samurai until you took it, so now I'm uh, redoing my strategy. I was trying to figure out my strategy based on the way you guys were picking, and now you're <laughs> trying to throw me a loop. Well, I'm glad to hear that, to be honest with you, because when you went for A Few Good Men, I was I was cursing under my breath quite a bit there, so no, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Um, how, how's this one for you, Hot Shot? Um, it's, it's one of my more disappointing movies, um I, if you don't know the history of it it was actually originally uh the concept was created by a new zealand filmmaker named vincent ward um who unfortunately never had the career that he should have uh if you know his name at all you know him because of alien 3 he was the original uh writer and director of alien 3 wow. uh, he came up with most of the story ideas that eventually were a part of the Fincher movie. But if you uh, go deeper into this, how Alien 3 came about, you'll see how important Vincent Ward was to that. Uh, If you do know him at all for any movie he made, it's either uh, The Navigator, which was um, his first big movie in New Zealand, which was nominated for, uh, I think it was nominated for an Oscar, if I'm not no, I'm, it was not. It was. It could have been, but it was. Uh, it's, it's an exceptional movie. It's about a time traveler, uh, a New Zealander. It's. I, I don't want to give anything away, but if you have the chance to see The Navigator, it's fantastic. And then um, he made What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams back yes. in '98. Yeah, yeah. And and that kind of tells you what kind of filmmaker Vincent Ward was. He's very visual filmmaker. Mm-hmm. He's a very out of the box filmmaker and this was and he came up with the idea for last samurai he's still on it as an executive producer um but for whatever reason he spent like four or five years developing it before he gave it up and i went in watching it knowing that ed zwick's a good director Uh i have no problem with ed zwick but as i'm watching it i'm seeing scenes it's like how would vincent ward have done this knowing knowing what I know about Vincent Ward. And, and so 
and The Navigator is going to be one of the movies that I will eventually get to on my on my show because it came out in 1988, and mm-hmm. I and it's a movie that absolutely deserves a spotlight. And Vincent Ward absolutely just he's had the worst luck as a filmmaker. Um, he's been making films for 35 years, and I think he's made six films just because so many of the movies that he's set up over the years for one reason or another have gotten taken away from him or um, he eventually left for whatever reason. Uh, but it's a good movie. It's a beautiful movie. Yeah. The production design, the cinematography, mm-hmm. uh, Hans Zimmer's score. Um, I, I respond to the movie more as a movie than as a Tom Cruise performance. Mm-hmm. But to think, I, my mind is just like, what would this movie have been if it was Tom Cruise in a Vincent Ward movie instead of an Ed Zwick movie? And that's like one of, if somebody does uh, the movies that never got made podcast, and you're listening to this, do some research on Vincent Ward and The Last Samurai because that's a movie that should have been made. Okay. Okay. No, that's, that's amazing. Thank you very much. Um, so my second so not my second one two three four five six my sixth pick um here uh on this snake part i'm gonna dip into the 2010s for the first time um this was my number one literally i've seen four films from the 2010s of of, um of tom cruise honestly i thought i'd seen more so i do apologize um but i just finished watching this one this morning and yeah enjoyed it uh it was jack reacher the first one uh you took my movie (laughs) You took my movie. Good, good. No, glad, glad. Um, I watched. I, I will mention the other film that I watched. I'll, I'll maybe mention that at the end. Um, but yeah, Jack Reacher. I think. Um, again, I think I. I was a little bit frustrated at the opening. It's a Tom Cruise film. Tom Cruise, Jack Reacher. First thing you see of him, back of his head. So it's the same shot that started the first shot of him in the in the other film that I'd watched. Um, pans over, beautiful woman's just putting her. Uh, her underwear back on and um, yeah the obligatory Tom Cruise with his shirt off uh, scene with Rosamund Pike um, but ar- around that um, I thought it was I thought it was a very very good performance you know he um, he's not indestructible in it you know you see him get hurt you see him um, maybe make some bad decisions um, he's obviously nothing like what the character is meant to be I think what he's meant to be a six foot five guy um, kind of barrel chested huge uh obviously that's not tom cruise um but i think a very charismatic performance and one that was kind of right for the for the film i think um shout out to rosamund pike who i think gave a very standout performance in a role that um is really like a nothing role and she really got a lot out of it i think she's a brilliant actress um and yeah when i was when i was uh when it was starting i was like wow richard jenkins in this david o yellowwell um uh, Robert Duval, obviously, Jai Courtney was was amazing in it. Going back to the, um, you picked him in the Shawshank Redemption, uh, Wayne. Um, yeah, no, I I thought the the supporting cast was amazing, and I thought it was a very very good um, late uh, Tom Cruise performance as well. So uh, so yeah, happy to pick that one in the uh, in the 2010s. Um, how come that would have been kind of next on your list, uh, Hotshot? Uh, because the I I think what Lee Child, the guy who wrote the books mm-hmm. for Jack Reacher, put it best when he was basically saying, you know, Reacher's size in the books is a metaphor for an unstoppable force. And Cruz has his own way of portraying that, even if he's not six foot five. 
So I think those who are reading the book are fans of the books and, and, and focusing on the lack of his size are missing the bigger picture about what the Jack Reacher character is supposed to be. It's not his size, it's who he is as a person. And I think Cruz did a fantastic job as Jack Reacher, and it would have been nice to have more Jack Reacher movies. Um, I actually haven't watched the, uh, the, the Jack one. Reacher series. Mm -hmm. No, the series. Oh, okay. Because, oh, the series, um, sorry. Yep. Because I, I see Tom Cruise as Jack Reacher, and this other guy, he may be more physically in character with the book version of Jack Reacher, but Tom Cruise did such a good job in the movie that I see him as Jack Reacher, despite his differences from the, the book. Cause, but mm -hmm. I also want to give a, a shout out to Werner Herzog as the Oh, of course, who's, Werner Herzog, who yes. Who is just, just, he is so good. Yes. And in, in it, and uh, I, I, if I watch it, I watch it, if, I've, if I'm ever going to watch it again, I've only seen it once. If I'm ever going to watch it again, it's going to be more for Werner Herzog <laughs> than for Tom Cruise. But Tom Cruise is great in it. And I think of his 2010 movies, it is, is, it is a very good performance. And I was literally like one, two with Edge and Tomorrow. Yeah. Which one do I pick? But I wanted to go with Edge and Tomorrow because it is a slightly more different role for him than what you would expect of yeah. that character in that movie. No, good. I'm glad. I'm glad I was able to get in there first with that one. And yes, Werner Herzog, of course. Um, I mean, you, you that the, when his introduction and he tells you what he's done to himself, you'd actually believe that Werner Herzog probably would do that to him to his own fingers as well if he was in the same circumstances. So, um, so yes, no, it, he is he is brilliant in it as well. Do you like this one um, yourself, Starscream? Well, let me just say, you're a mother trucker because. <laughs> Not only was this going to be my next pick, let me tell you something. So this was actually the number four movie on my big board. Oh, my, so wow. It, oh my God. Wow. It went A Few Good Men, Jerry Maguire, Top Gun, and Jack Reacher. And I love this movie. I mean, I love it. I didn't read the books either. So I thought this he did such a good job, and it's such a kind of cool, like, uh, what's it, like a thriller, right? Like a John mm -hmm. Grisham-type movie. Mm -hmm. and, and I really enjoyed it a lot. I was like, all right. And when you guys started making all your artsy picks, I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is like, like the seventh or eighth round. <laughs> And so I intentionally passed on it, even though it's number four on my big board. And then when you guys start, when, when you went Edge of Tomorrow, Last Samurai, I was like, I better take Jack Reacher with my next pick. And then you took it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty upset. I really like the movie. Oh, great. Good. Well, I'm glad that you like the movie and I'm glad I took it from you. So that's that's great. <laughs> um, so what, it, what are you going to do here? Obviously, you've got some thinking to do for your next pick. I did so I had to change course a little bit. I went with Oblivion, uh, which is a 2010 movie. It's another kind of a sci-fi-ish movie. I didn't really like Oblivion, uh, to be honest with you. I don't has Morgan Freeman in it, and it's got you know a, kind of a flimsy plot. If I'm being honest, I thought again Tom Cruise is fine in it. He kind of plays Tom Cruise, which is again always fine. Uh, I just felt like I needed a 2010 movie, and you took Jack Reacher, so I got to take Oblivion. <laughs> I'm not going to say sorry. I'm not going to say sorry at all. Um, yeah, I, again, another one I haven't seen. Um, it was this is free on streaming, so uh, it was um, yeah. So I picked two films to watch out of Oblivion, Jack Reacher, and, and another one, and I watched the other one. Uh, maybe wish I'd watched um, Oblivion. Have you seen this one yourself, Hotshot? Oh yeah, um, it's it, again. This is like uh, his first or second uh, collaboration with uh, Joseph Kaczynski. 
who we did uh, Maverick with, and mm-hmm. that they're they're a good they're a good team, and I could see why they they work so well together. Um, Oblivion again was a movie that I wasn't expecting much of. Um, I loved Tron Legacy um, when it came out in 2010, mm-hmm. and this was like two and a half years later in 2013. But even though I liked Tron Legacy. I think that was Kaczynski's first movie as a filmmaker, as a, as a commercial filmmaker, director of, of commercial movies. And so I wasn't expecting much from Oblivion. And it went in directions that I was just not expecting. Cruise was good in it. Uh, it wasn't that high on my list. I think it's uh, fourth on my list of 2010s. Yeah, one, two, three, four. So. But it's it's a very good movie, and just the the risks they take with the story, and and especially the the ending, um, it just takes you places that you don't expect that type of movie to go. And Cruz was good in it, but I wouldn't say it was one of his better performances of the decade. Again, because there was like three others that were much better. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, so these were all in a row in the 2010s. So it was Jack Reacher 2012, Oblivion 2013, and Edge of Tomorrow 2014. Um, Hotshot, we got your two next two picks. Okay, so uh, my next pick is going to be the other Jack Reacher movie, Never Go Back. Ah. Because somebody took my first Jack Reacher movie pick. <laughs> um, so... Of course, you know, we're four years later from the first movie, and I think Never Go Back is actually a better movie than the first one, and a lot of has to do with uh, Kobe Smulders and the way that she works with Tom Cruise. Uh-huh. Um, so if I don't get to have Jack Reacher, I'll take uh, Never Go Back, because, again, they're good, mo- they're, they're good movies. They're, they're fun. Yeah. Um, and they don't take themselves too se- they take themselves seriously enough but not too seriously and the way that he and smolders work together um i, I just I, it's a good movie mm-hmm. and he does a good job in it and i actually had it above oblivion on on my board so i'm going to close out my 2010s with uh jack reacher never go back directed by Zwick. um so good good really good director behind the behind the wheel there um mm-hmm. And just looking at the budget, I think it's so 65 million, which I think was less than the first one, if I was just looking at that correctly. Um, sorry, what's Possibly. Uh, no, it's a little bit no, no, five, 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 five million more. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, didn't do quite as well at the box office, but um, but yeah, okay. I, again, I've not seen this one. Is this, is this one that you're a fan of, Starscream? Yeah, it is actually. In... Uh, again, I'm upset because I thought that when you took the first one, I was like, All right, well, I'll wait till the last pick and take my second one. <laughs> um, but uh, I do, I do like it, and and I will say actually, uh, I like the pick, and it obviously it kind of screws me on my next pick. But I will say that I know uh, Hotshot was saying um, that you know he's a little bit, you know, hesitant to watch the Jack Reacher series, as was I because I love Tom Cruise so much as Jack Reacher. Uh, but I did watch the series, and I will say this: it's really really good like i'm i can't wait for season two it is it is fantastic so i would say don't hesitate it's it's worth the watch so hotshot you got another pick now are you going to close out the 90s or the 2000s um i'm actually sitting here debating it 
Uh, but I think I'm going to go with the 2000s, and I am going to take Vanilla Sky. Ah, okay. Uh, again, uh, Cruz and Cameron Crowe. Um, I wish they would have made more films together. Mm-hmm. I wish Cameron Crowe would have made more films. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, he's just uh, not as prolific as I hoped. Uh, Vanilla Sky is an American remake of a Spanish movie called Open Your Eyes, Obres Los Ojos. Um, and I love how just how, how much different of a movie it is um, in terms of a performance because when you start watching the movie, you don't know where it's gonna go. And it's and 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 seeing Cruz react to how the story is changing literally in front of his eyes, um, hence the original title, Open Your Eyes, is I think he's he's great in it. I think it's one of his more underrated roles. And it's uh, and Penelope Cruz is great in it, but she was also in the original movie. Yeah. She's the connection to the original movie. Uh, I think it's one of Cameron Diaz's better acting roles. Um, Jason Lee is good in it, and you know he was also in Cameron Crowe's uh, Almost Famous. So I like that he's got that repertoire um, with with his director. I just think it's a great movie, and you you go down the list and see the actors who are in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's one of Michael Shannon's earliest movies. Tilda Swinton has a great small role in it. Kurt Russell's great in it. Alicia Witt is great in it. Um, you know, even Conan O'Brien shows up for a moment as himself, <laughs> and and even he doesn't make a fool of himself playing himself. So, I I like where the movie went in terms of its story, and I like how Cruz works his way through all the different levels of the story, and uh, it's a movie that doesn't get talked about as much as I think it should. I um this was on my this was on my long list definitely for the, the 2000s um uh yeah I think Cameron Diaz I think steals that that film for me a little bit I've only seen it the once but she's the main thing I remember from it I remember the scene where they're in bed and Tom Cruise has has left the room left Penelope Cruz in the bed and then he comes back and Cameron Diaz kind of sits up and the and the, the sheet just kind of slightly goes down her face and he realizes it's her instead of Penelope Cruz and I just remember I just remember that really freaking me out that bit I just remember being like, oh my god um uh but yeah I I thought he and he and yeah he was great another the very brave performance um uh, as well I think um so so yeah no I agree with you and, and good song in it by uh, by Paul McCartney as well um yeah. Oscar nominated song indeed indeed um Wayne. Yeah, I guess uh, you know, my take on it really was just that it's, again, it's an artsy film. <laughs> it's, it's very depressing. And so to me, I put it on the same level. Basically, it's the same movie, but different than Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, again, just very dark and sad and it makes you want to drink or take a bunch of pills, whatever. <laughs> so uh, definitely not a movie I'm going to watch to be entertained. So. Got it. Got it. That was that's fine um okay sorry i use your real name starscream what's your penultimate pick yeah so uh i ended up obviously you guys closed out the 2000s so i'm going to use that my last pick on the 2000s because i don't need to right now um and 
I'll go into that later. So I went with my 2010s, uh, taking American Made. Uh, okay. It's a movie that uh, I really liked a lot. It, again, it's kind of weird because it doesn't have any super highs, but it also doesn't have any super lows. It just kind of is very even throughout the entire film, so no climax really to me. Um, but I thought Tom Cruise's character was fun, and, and I actually put myself in his shoes. Like, yeah, I would totally like launder the money and bring it over here or whatever. <laughs> so uh, American Made, I, I thought was that's where I'm going with that. I, I want to see this film. I know it's um it's kind of based on true story, and he's and he's playing a real person, and uh, it's not a he's not a um yeah uh, a, a spy or a um kind of killing machine or anything. So I I do want to check this this one out. Is this is this one you're a fan of at all, Hotshot? Never seen it. Okay. It was a movie that that I just never got around to. Maybe I will someday, but uh, yeah. I mean, Doug Liman's a good director. Mm-hmm. Uh, they work together well on Edge of Tomorrow, so it's not like I have any kind of antipathy towards it like I would if it was another Paul Thomas Anderson movie. But uh, yeah, maybe I'll get around to it someday. Cool. Okay. So uh, yeah, so it's back to me with my last two picks. So um, the 1980s. I'm kind of torn between between two films here. It's either one maybe that's going to be a bit more popular uh with the voters or one that is definitely a better film um but i'm not too sure if i if i like it better than the other one actually um well go for the one that you just to flip a coin then i think i'm gonna go cocktail i'm gonna go okay. cocktail <laughs> i am um i love this film when i first saw it. i remember seeing it really young and recording it on vhs and watching it over and over again um I think Elizabeth Shue was maybe one of my first crushes uh, from this film, um, much more so than The Karate Kid. Um, and I just thought Tom Cruise was such a cool, just such a cool character in it. Um, the way he he learns his craft, the way he um, uh, is able to charm uh, Gina Gershon, the way he's... Um, kind of you know running the best bar in the world on that on that beach um and yeah i just i just i just really enjoy this film make doesn't make a whole lot of sense um i don't think but um just a very very enjoyable uh, enjoyable movie so honorable mention for the 80s to to born on the 4th of july that was the two i was i was torn between um but yeah i'm gonna go cocktail instead on that one um either of you big fans of cocktail at all not really. Um, I mean, it's okay. Again, like I said, Gina Gershon's good looking. Elizabeth Shue's fine. Uh, I, I have, uh, on occasion, just for jokes, said, you know, hey, bartender, you know how to make a red eye? <laughs> you know? But uh, it, it's you know, it's an okay movie, I guess. I, I would have gone all the right moves, personally. I, I just like that movie a lot better. Um, but, no, well, it's cool. Cocktail's fine. Cool. Okay. Um, well, if you're going to talk about the ladies of cocktail, I would have gone with Te- Kelly Lynch before... Elizabeth Shue or Gina Gershon because Kelly Lynch was was just something else back then um, between this movie and The Desperate Hours and uh, Roadhouse there's oh man (laughs) I'm going back to my early 20s right now wow (laughs) Kelly Lynch man I haven't thought about her in a while but uh, you know what it's it's a decent enough movie uh, Roger Donaldson's a good filmmaker and they're clearly having fun. Uh, I remember the first, when we got the poster for the movie at my theater and it's just Tom Cruise and he's like leaning into the camera yep. and he's got his 
hand down on the bar, his one hand down on the bar and the other hand in his pocket. And just he's the way he's just kind of leaning in. It's like, that's a guy who knows he's a movie star, knows that people will come see this movie because of him. It doesn't tell you a damn thing about the movie. Mm-hmm. But they so relied on Tom Cruise, the movie star, to make this movie a hit. Mm-hmm. And it was a huge hit. We, I, man, that movie played for months at my theater. And uh, actually, it was uh, on towards the bottom of my list. Because, again, I'm looking at performances and not, not necessarily the whole of the movie. And he's fine in it. But in terms of, you know, versus Color of Money or Taps or Risky Business, Rain Man, I had Born on the Fourth of July, The Outsiders, all the right moves before it um, of the ones that still haven't been picked from the 80s. Um, I just think that of the performances that he gave in the 80s, it's one of his lesser efforts, especially when you have Born on the Fourth of July and all the right moves. Uh, unpicked those are such good movies and he's so good in them and and the outsiders which he's a part of the ensemble he's not the he's not the star but there were so many good performances in the 80s i think he was coming out of the gate strong he knew which films that he needed to make at the right time and i think after you make top gun and after you make the color of money that cocktail is the right movie for him to be to continue building your star it's it's quite literally a palate cleanser in between in between those two, I think. And and yeah. I mean, a five for a five film run at the end of the eighties: Top Gun, The Color of Money, Cocktail, Ring Man, Born on the Fourth of July. I mean, that's um, legendary. Yeah, I mean, you put that up against anybody uh, at any time. I think you know the the not only the how well how successful the films were, how good he were he was in all of them, but the the, the filmmakers he 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 worked with it though in, uh, in those films as well. It's just um, yeah. yeah, unbelievable. Uh, so that was closing out the 80s and then closing out the 2010s is a film i'm not really a fan of but i gotta say if i'm going on performance uh i think i maybe enjoyed his performance more than his performances in um the two mission impossible films uh ghost protocol and rogue nation and i ideally don't want another mission impossible film on my list so i'm gonna go night and day uh because that's the only other 2010s film that i watched uh so i watched this last night and um yeah not the best film in the world. Um, Cameron Diaz really gave up on her um, on her Boston accent without putting in too much effort at the start <laughs> of the film. Um, it really stood out whenever she was pronouncing something with an A in the middle. It's like, oh, oh, she's trying to be from Boston. Got it. Um, uh, I mean, I, I'll just think the, ne- the uh, not a great film. And another negative thing that I saw in it was that Tom Cruise, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it or remember it that well, but Tom Cruise and Peter Sarsgaard are supposed to be peers in the film. They're, they're like partners. They're, you know, they're both secret agents, I assume, meant to have the same skill set. Tom Cruise, you know, flies helicopters, drives on motorbikes, uh, uh, jumps on top of cars, kills loads of people, you know, uh, has all sorts of fights and everything, amazing skills. Peter Sarsgaard drives a car for most of it, uh, doesn't really get to do anything. And then I thought, well, okay, right at the end, they're going to have an epic fight scene or something. But no, Peter Sarsgaard shoots a gun and then flies off in a helicopter. Um, so he doesn't get to, I'm like, come on, just throw Peter Sarsgaard a bone. Come on, get him, get him some action action um, training in the in there. Um, but yeah, I thought he was very good. I thought it was, it was a strange film. Kind of started off like a romantic comedy and then just kind of went off into action. Um, he was very 
you know, a bit different, a bit kooky, um, you know, at the start of it, very charming, uh, had a couple of funny lines. Um, so, so yeah, I think he was, he was good in it for what it was. Um, but yeah, not the, not the best film in the world. Um, but yeah, I think 2010s is a little bit slim pickings for, for great performances from him. So, uh, so yeah, that's why I'm going with that one on my last one. Um, are you a fan of this one, Starscream? Uh, not really. Uh, my, my only comment on it was going to be like, well, you needed a movie from the 2010s and you got one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, Dale dies in it, though. He, he's he's pretty good in his, his limited performance in it. How about yourself, Hotshot? Um, I barely remember the movie, and I think I conflate it with The Tourist, with uh, yeah. Depp and Angelina Jolie in terms of uh, over bloated star movies mm-hmm. from 2010s that don't really make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, because one came out in the summer, one came out towards Christmas. And so they're both 2010 movies and they both just, just don't work the way they yeah. should, even though, um, they both have interesting directors, uh, James Mangold for, mm-hmm. uh, nine and day and Florian Heckler von Dossenmach. Uh, a great German filmmaker for the tourist making his first American movie. And uh, if I remember correctly, but yeah, it's just one of those movies that I saw, I had a few laughs and then promptly forgot about. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, where did it place on my list for 2010s? Um, actually in the top five. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. But, that shows but, you what the 2010s were like, um, yeah. Yeah. But I, th- I think when I was reading, uh, you know, just a, just on Wikipedia and everything, it, it kind of sounded like, yeah, The Tourist, Night and Day, Salt. Um, those were all films that, yeah, were just kind of all kind of stuck in production nightmare. And they were just trying to find a star or the stars to, to be in it. Um, yeah. So if it hadn't have been, um, yeah, Cameron Diaz and, um, and Tom Cruise, it might have been Gerard Butler and Jennifer Aniston or something. So, um, so yeah, it just ended up being... Catherine like, Heigl. Yes, yes. Um, okay, so that that closes out my uh, my draft. Um, so Starscream, your last pick, and then on to Hotshot. Yeah, and I think I feel like I'm in the same boat here, picking the 2000s. I'm actually going to go with the very last movie on my big board uh, at number 24. Um, I'm jealous of a hot shot because he has just a 90s movie left, and I have three of my top 10 are still available. Um, <laughs> But I ended up, I had to choose between Austin Powers' gold member, which I did not go with because I was like, eh, it's really just a cameo. Is, so yeah. uh, I'll pass that one. And I went with Mission Impossible 3. Okay. Uh, I could have gone with Mission Impossible 2, but I thought that that was just purely like, oh, it's almost like a Michael Bay movie. Just explosions, fast cars, motorcycles, the end. Yep. Whereas at least Mission Impossible 3, you get a little bit of a story. We get Philip Seymour Hoffman, right? So Great. Yeah, uh, great villain. Yeah, so I went MI3. I think I'd have gone for MI2 uh, out of the two for, for me, but yeah, probably a toss of a coin But between them. I just love the continuous uh, mask pulling. Um, one of my favorite lines to quote from a film ever, I believe I broke his jaw from uh, Mission Impossible 2. Um, and uh, yeah, but yeah, Mission Impossible 3, uh, I think is uh, is a very good, uh, very good one as well. And yeah, brilliant, brilliant Philip Seymour Hoffman in that one. Um, you're not going to go for, it doesn't look like you're going to go for any um mission impossible films yourself hot shot at all because we were only you got your last pick for the 90s and i already took the one that was in the 90s yeah there you are correct and uh my final pick of this draft 
is going to be a movie that I'm more of a fan of for the technical aspects than of his performance. Um, I'm going to go with Far and Away, uh, the poster that I got him to sign and, and his then wife, Nicole. But um, his he doesn't, he does, again, he does a serviceable job in the movie. His uh, accent kind of wavers from time to time. <laughs> Um, it's not, it's not his best movie of the decade. Uh, it's not his, it's not, uh, Ron Howard's best movie by a long shot. It's definitely not Nicole Kidman's best movie <laughs> by a long shot. But, uh, when I saw it again, you know, I'm working at a movie theater, I'm playing it in 70 millimeter. So being able to see the movie, uh, in just it's this amazing clarity, um, the movie is absolutely gorgeous. The score is beautiful. Nicole Kidman is, is beautiful. And it's for performance, it's not Tom Cruise's best, but he does a good job and it's a lot better than Days of Thunder or The Firm or, or especially Interview with the Vampire. <laughs> um, so it's basically a pick out of attrition more than anything else, but it's, it's, not, it's not a bad performance. Uh, it's, he does, he does a very good job trying to play this character, um, as he comes from Ireland to America and, and have that American experience as a foreigner. So it's at least interesting mm -hmm. and, and that's you know, far and away or, uh, sorry, uh, Days of Thunder, uh, that, that's a, that's a, I'm not a NASCAR fan and it's a lot of just, vroom, 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 you know, cars passing by the screen and at a blurry rate where I don't even know who's who uh, outside of, you know, oh, that car's lime green. I think that's Tom Cruise's car, you know, but it's not much a performance. It's a technical movie. It's a very specific type of movie. So yeah, Far and Away is my final choice, not out of any personal love of the film, just because it's the best of what's left. Yeah, bit of an outlier probably in his filmography as well. Um, one of only three films he did with Nicole Kidman and... Um... Yeah, not not a huge amount of historical dramas in his films as well, I suppose. Um, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I remember watching this. Yeah, accent not great, but he certainly throws himself into it. Um, gives it everything as he does always. But uh, yeah, not um, maybe not the maybe not the best or the most talked about. But yeah, um, I understand why you uh, <laughs> kind of had to pick it at the end there. Um, yeah. Is this one you're a fan of at all? Yeah, I'm stunned because I had Days of Thunder five on my list. Like it was my top five. Um, I really enjoyed Days of Thunder, uh, particularly the chemistry between Robert Duvall and Tom Cruise in that film. I think is fantastic. Um, I had The Firm sixth, and I had Interview with the Vampire ninth. Um, I just think I love Interview with the Vampire. I know again, my mom was a big fan of the film. She thought, you know, when they did Queen of the Damned, she's like, if they're not going to get Tom Cruise to play Lestat, then I'm not interested. <laughs> So let's run through that. That finalizes the, the Tom Cruise draft. So let's run through the picks um, quickly here. So Hot Shot for the, so for the 1980s, Hot Shot had Color of Money and Taps. Starscream mm -hmm. had Rain Man and Risky Business. And Riptide was Top Gun and Cocktail. Everyone happy with their picks there? Anything they wish they could have got? Nope. I'm good. I got, good? I got yeah. my top two. Good, 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 good. I... <sighs> I'm still on the fence with if I should have gone for cocktail or uh, or born on the fourth of July, but that's fine. I'm I'm happy with it. Um, 1990s hotshot had Magnolia and Far and Away. 
Um, Starscream had a few good men and Jerry Maguire. That's a strong, that's a strong decade for him. And uh, Riptide was Eyes Wide Shut and Mission Impossible. Um, Starscream, you got me ecstatic with that one. Yeah, top two picks on my board. Awesome, awesome. Um, Hotshot, what would you if you could have had anything else for your second pick in the nineties? What would it have been? Well, I would have gone with a few good men and Jerry Maguire. Those were my top two picks. So yeah, Magnolia. It, it, his his performance is great in it. Uh, Eyes Wide Shut was was my, uh, number four on my nineties, and then Far and Away was fifth. So, uh, because I got Magnolia, I'm I'm okay with the nineties. Cool, cool. Yeah, I wish I could have got a few good men, definitely. Um, and Magnolia actually, those would be, those would be my top two for for the nineties. But I'm pretty happy with my Eyes Wide Shut and Mission Impossible, good kind of mix of uh, artsy and um, yeah, maybe more popcorn there as well. Um, so for the 2000s, Hotshot got uh, two very contrasting performances, Tropic Thunder and Vanilla Sky. Um, Starscream was Minority Report and Mission Impossible 3. And for myself, it was uh, Riptide, sorry, was Collateral and Last Samurai. I'm pretty happy with that one. I think that's maybe my strongest uh, decade for me. Um, so I'm pretty happy with mine there. Um, how about yourself, Starscream? I'm happy with mine. Again, I think it was, I think the 2000s are his weakest uh, decade. And so just to get Minority Report was something that was number one for the 2000s for me. So I'm happy with mine. Sweet. And yourself, Hot Shot? Uh, Tropic Thunder and Vanilla Sky were one and three on my list. So uh, I'm, I'm happy. You're good with that. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good, good decade for yourself as well, I think. And then finally, 2010s, which I definitely found the, the hardest. Um, I would have to say this is probably my pick for his weakest decade but um for hot shot we had edge of tomorrow and jack reacher never go back um starscream had oblivion and american made bit of a yeah bit of the dregs for yourself there possibly <laughs> and for riptide was jack reacher and night and day for myself um which considering i'd only seen uh mission impossible ghost protocol and uh rogue nation um before yesterday i'm uh yeah i'm, I'm happy with that um starscream Pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted so, Jack Reacher. It was number four on my board. Yeah. Okay. And Edge of Tomorrow was up there as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, Hotshot, how are you feeling about yours? Um, I won this draft. Let's just face it. <laughs> I, it I got, yeah. I got Edge Tomorrow, one of the Jack Reachers, Vanilla Sky, Tropic Thunder, Magnolia, Taps, and Color Money. I won this thing. Let's. Let's just face facts. Is that just it? Yeah. Okay. Let's not even put it out to a vote. Well, see, I, I actually think and that's why I had to use. That's why I had to use hot shot instead of the other thing I wanted to use hot, <laughs> hot blank. But that's the ego kicking in. But that that's a damn. I mean, all things considered, since uh, I didn't get one, two, three, four of the eight movies I would have preferred, I still think I, I had a pretty damn good draft. You guys had good drafts. I had a better one. Yeah, a damn good draft. Okay, no, that's fine. Starscream, big, big yourself up. How, how have you won this draft? Well, I was going to say, I felt like, you know, with the color of money going one and a few good men going two, I felt like it was the NBA draft, and you just took Greg Oden one, and I took Kevin Durant two, so I'm, <laughs> I'm happy with that. <laughs> I've got Top Gun, guys. I've got Top Gun. Um, that's all I have to say for mine, I think. Um, i got Clarol. That's probably my favorite Tom Cruise performance. Um, I think I've got a good mix of of artsy and popcorn and popular um i'm pretty happy with mine i'm pretty happy with mine i think um wish i could have had a few good men i think that was uh i think a few good men was the 
the maybe the shining light in there. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm happy with mine as well. Okay, so what I will do is I will get this up on the uh, on the socials for people to um, to kind of vote on. Uh, maybe do that for a few days, and uh, yeah, obviously let you guys know who who won officially. But obviously within our own hearts, we each think we've won. So everyone's a winner at the end of the day on this one. Um, yeah, I mean. I just have to say thank you so much, guys. Uh, as usual, I was hoping maybe this to be slightly shorter than the last ones that I've recorded. I've taken up over two and a half hours of your time. So just thank you so much for, for that. Um, hope you'll enjoy the rest of your your weekend. And um, yeah, really hope we can um, do something else together. And um, yeah, no, it was it was fantastic. So thank you guys so much. Um, yeah, anything from you guys at all? Oh, I thought it was great. I had a really fun time. Had a fantastic time. And just remember... Uh, Mike Piazza was drafted 1200th in his draft, and Tom Brady went Tom Brady went 199th. So sometimes there's there's winners even amongst the lower drafts. Yeah, Jack Reacher was supposed to be my Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, guys. Um, so yeah, that uh, that concludes the um, the the Tom Cruise draft. Um, and uh, yeah, just once again, thank you to um, to Edward aka uh, hotshot and wayne aka starscream um for that for them this has been steve aka riptide so thank you guys very much thank you all right have a good night thank you bye-bye Take care. Right, talk to you later thank you very much for listening to episode 10 of for me these films are the juice the tom cruise draft um, I really do hope you enjoyed listening to it, and I really do hope that you found my movie draft the best out of myself, Edward, and um, Wayne, or uh, Riptide. He preferred Riptide over Hotshot and Starscream. Um, I'll be putting um, information on um, Twitter and on Facebook um, for people to vote for who had the best um, draft. Obviously, that's Riptide. And um, and yeah, if you could just take a take a moment to um, to pop on to uh, either of those platforms and say that Riptide had the best uh, movie draft, that would be that would be fantastic. Um, lovely. So thank you so much for for listening. Um, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be out with a, another episode, episode eleven, um, very soon. So you guys will take care of yourself, keep on trucking, and speak to you soon. Many thanks. Thank you.